0: This podcast comes to you from nerdsthegeek.com. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth
1: one, Jesus Christ. It's Jason Bourne. Yeah. Jason, Jason Born, Bourne, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus
0: Christ, Christ yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not forget about Jason Christ. <laughs> Jason Christ. Jason Christ Wick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Bourne.
0: Jesus born Neo (laughs) source code Trinity (laughs) alt (laughs) Dumbledore said take this
1: ring to Mordor or the Sith will destroy the Enterprise (laughs) you must go down there
2: it's Jesus Christ Jason Bourne
0: (laughs) it's a crummy commercial Christmas Jason Bourne (laughs) It's always (laughs) interesting when we do these on a Saturday. The energy is very different.
2: different. chuckle
0: (laughs) mode. I'm so happy. (laughs) To talk about do the right thing.
2: Yeah. Get these chuckles out.
0: (laughs) Not for Radio Raheem that works.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble. Coming to you here from this unexpectedly snowy April Saturday, where we're going to talk about a movie that involves an overwhelmingly hot summer's day. <laughs> I'm your host, Scott Murray, and I'm joined today by my friends Joe Lewis. Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez. Hello. For anybody unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is a monthly movie discussion podcast where the four of us take turns picking a movie and then watching it and then talking about it. There are no rules. You can pick any film you want, whether that's new or old, foreign or domestic, animated or live action, a film you've seen before a million times or never seen before. You can pick anything you want. We announce at the end of each episode what we're going to watch next episode, so you can watch along with us if you like. And we do spoil everything we talk about, so if you're worried about that sort of thing, watch a film before listening to its Movie Mumble episode. This month Zeke was our film selector and he brought us the 1989 Spike Lee joint Do the Right Thing. Uh, Zeke, do you want to intro the film a little? Um, You know, how you discovered it, why you brought it? And then anyone who wants to do
2: a plot summary, please feel free. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think for me, I feel like this is a theme that's come up for a lot of us in how we found a certain movie or why we loved a certain movie. I think this one for me was one where I had heard about Spike Lee as a director, writer, you know, actor, all those things uh, and hadn't seen much of his work. It was also at a time when I was starting to push myself to watch things that weren't just Adam Sandler comedies or um, just random, you know, whatever action movie of the summer or whatever. So I think I first saw it in maybe early high school, late middle school in that range probably early high school. Um, but it's one that I had heard a lot about. You know, it's one that's pretty big in pop culture. Um, has a pretty big legacy in terms of how it was received, how it did at award shows. Um, you know, I knew a lot, probably more so about Spike Lee for his role in, um, in sports. You know, the guy that's always on the sidelines at Knicks games or the guy that was in Nike ads and Jordan ads as Mars Blackman um, and knew of him as a director, but didn't, hadn't really seen any of his movies. So I kind of wanted to seek it out as one that I had heard a lot about as one that I heard was important. And as a, you know, key movie of his to kind of sit down and explore, you know, a new director's work. So, um, yeah, kind of gave it a shot there. And I was interested to come back. I don't know, I think I'd maybe seen it once since then. So this is maybe my third time seeing it, it's not one that I've seen a lot, but it's it's uh, one that stuck with me when I first saw it. So I was interested to see how I feel about it now um, compared to that first time seeing it. I feel like it's one that wouldn't quite have landed on early high school me. Uh, that landed a lot more for me as an adult now. I think it's one that you know is I mentioned on the outro of the last episode when I picked it. It's one that's still very important culturally. Um, in the news, you know, uh, unfortunately, because of the subject matter that it deals with. And um, it covers so much, you know, police brutality, um, you know, racism, gentrification, um, climate change, which is the thing I want to bring up and talk about. But there's a lot packed into there. And it's one that feels like it was meant to be a snapshot of its time. And then it's probably even more of a snapshot of like the last five years. So it felt like a good one to revisit given recent events and and just to see where it landed with me now. So that's kind of how I first found it, why I brought it back now. Very
1: nice. Yeah, did you want to
2: also walk us through the plot summary or just Joel or Tim or yeah. either of you super eager? Yeah, please go ahead, Zeke. Okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, it's interesting. And so one that I, I I'll get ahead of myself and then I'll get back to the synopsis. But one thing I do really love about it is it's a very character rich film. And it's, um, you're not, you know, there's so much to get into, right? It's not just love versus hate. It's not black versus white versus, you know, these other races, it's not rich versus poor, this neighborhood versus that neighborhood. It's kind of, everybody in the movie has an interaction or a pre-existing relationship with somebody else. Um, and so all of that is built into this neighborhood of people interacting. So it's set in Bed-Stuy in New York, and um, you've got kind of a melting pot of cultures and people. Um, You know, you've got, uh, you know, strong Black community, strong Italian-American community, Puerto Rican community, Asian community, um, kind of all living together in Bed-Stuy. And I don't know, when you talk about the synopsis, it kind of boils down more simple than it actually is. But essentially, the synopsis is... It's a really hot summer day. Um, It's pushing, what was it, 92 degrees or something. Also ridiculous to look back on and be like, oh, they thought that was hot. And it it is only hotter now. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's in the 90s in New York. And everyone's, it's a heat wave. Everyone's feeling the heat. And, um, you know, it mainly focuses on a few key characters, but there's a lot of interstitial characters. But uh, Spike Lee plays Mookie, who works at a pizza joint. Uh, pizzeria owned by Sal, um, Sal and his sons, um, uh, Vito and Pino, um, work, the, work, the, the Italian American owned pizza joint in a black community. And that's kind of what the movie is. And then things boil up, um, and explode as, uh, Radio Rahim and bugging out two of the, uh, other guys that live in the community kind of confront sal um and then radio Rahim is killed by the police and then there's a riot um again like boiling it down to that is almost a disservice to everything that goes on in between but that's kind of what the movie is but it's so much about those interactions between people along the way um that is true it is it is
0: so much more than just the plot because of right. the the way it the story to, and the characterization is so strong and so specific and so unique to like it, it's it's the the plot is almost incidental like it, it is a, a a living place like the community that it sets up is like an ecosystem a lived in universe that is so rich and and, and like yeah just re- like every layer of it there's there's no. Backside to it, everything fe- like it's you're, it's three dimensional when you step into it. So, yeah, yeah. So like you yeah. said, like you said, see, to to yeah, you you think about what takes place. You follow Mookie, and Mookie like delivers pizzas, and then there's a, <laughs> there's a murder by the police and a riot. Like the, yeah, those are like three things that happen. <laughs> but like it it's you feel the heat of the day though, and you feel everybody sweating on each other, and like the whole texture of the place. In yeah.
2: It's like a Fellini thing. That's really well said, because it's very much not a movie that's, you know, this happens, and then so this happens, and then we go over here, and this happens, because that happened, this happens. It's not really that. It's interactions, characters, living together, and that's really well said. It's living, breathing. You're part of the environment. We'll get to the camera work, too, that puts you in that environment a little bit more. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you feel like you're just a part of this community. Um, and you feel like you're seeing everything come to a head and then it does. And yeah, it's less about what happens to get you there and more about the ride to get you there, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: It's sort of in that regard. Well, in many ways, it reminded me of Lahane, which we yeah. Um, I think maybe before you came on, Zeke, were you here mm-hmm. for that one? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I, again, they're both just like, well, we've all of these characters and over the course of a day, they like walk around and talk to people and that's kind of like the whole film but all of the substance of it is in the actual conversations the locations the body languages the the various decisions and challenges and like you said Zeke, the whole ecosystem that's a good word yeah yeah it's, it's a hard film to it's a hard film to set out there um I mean, I guess I'll, I'll take that and run with that, right? It did remind me of La Haine. I think La Haine came afterwards, if I recall. 91, maybe? Let me see. Google I think that sounds me. right. 95 for La Haine. Wow. So um, I don't know whether he was inspired by Do the Right Thing or not. It's a French film. And, uh, you know, who knows, right? But it's it's different, different style, different technique, but it is sort of the same. Let's give this snapshot of this time and place and this charted ecosystem, right?
3: Um, in that sense like on its surface it also reminded me of Friday a lot yeah oh my god a little more like um, zoomed in you know and and a little more specific but that same idea of like we're learning about the people in the neighborhood and then it kind of comes to this big culminating event towards the event towards the end and like you know what role violence is going to take and what level of violence and things like that I mean again Friday
1: was also 95
3: oh okay
0: oh wow God, what yeah. a triple feature that would be. Do the Right Thing, Lahane <laughs> right. and Friday. Uh, <laughs> holy shit, I'd buy that box set in a heartbeat. Sadness. I didn't even think about Friday. That's such a... Pes- I hadn't either. That's the, a good
2: comp, yeah. As
0: as specific a community and a way of storytelling as that is, like you understand the dynamics of that block, and they're going for the laugh, but it, it is tackling yeah. a lot of the same things. Going you for the laugh. Like, See,
1: I, I haven't seen Friday. So, I Friday's excellent, but mm-hmm. but it definitely says here, buddy
0: comedy film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> how does that work? It's look, Bernie Mac plays a f- <laughs> preacher, okay? Like, it's a f-
2: comedy, <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's yeah. a good point about it getting to that you know, culminating event, and everyone from the community is there, mm-hmm. and you kind, kind of see how their interaction with the main characters and other characters has driven everything to that event oh, in a very similar way, so I hadn't thought about that. they
1: opposite from Lahane, where the big oh. event at the end is just our three main characters and, and oh. one other guy.
2: Okay.
0: It um, is really, as a counterpoint, I love the idea of Lahane oh. and do oh. the right thing as mm. a, a, like, mm. I love that commentary. Oh, man. I love as, Like, at Lahane, the film's right. ending. Everyone's going home, everything is See? done. And then fourth
1: character shows up and thing happens right like it's such
0: a different it's such a different portrayal of like the european relationship the french specific relationship with the police at that time period in history and they're going through like a a civil unrest in that period in the 90s in france was wild so like it's a really interesting juxtaposition because it is the same thing about oppressive police force but it's Mm. not entrenched in the same things it's really interesting i like i like that combo for sure
1: boy but um this was my first actual spike lee film i think i mean (laughs) i saw his old boy right and um we saw Mm -hmm. inside man obviously and the podcast together and i'm looking through his imdb here just in case uh miracle saint anna which wasn't a spike lee joint but was he directed that so okay fair Mm -hmm. enough um But yeah, like I think this was my first Spike Lee joint, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as as important as that term is, and I was kind of I was excited because he really made his name in this, you know, eighties nineties tackling the issues of the day type stuff, right? So I was really excited to see it and see that work. And man, did this deliver! It was great. It was smooth, it was you could follow it well. The characters were great. The sense of time and place was great. I loved the different cinematography. Like it was it was a really well made film in an artistic sense. It was a really watchable film as an audience member. You know, it wasn't impenetrably dense or it didn't talk down to you. You know, it just it handled everything really well. And then it it just kind of effortlessly weaves its way through the issues that it addresses, I think, like you said, Zeke, it's about the ecosystem, about presenting a single living collection rather than any specific narrative. Right? It was brilliantly done. Half of my notes are just like from the start are just about what it's like to be in New York City in the summer. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and 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 I love it. Right? It's good. It, it sort of sidesteps a lot what a lot of other social film lands in. Not necessarily racial relations, but a film of any kind that seeks to make commentary where it can be sort of heavy handed or overly simplistic or it can moralize at you. This sort of didn't do any of that. It really it felt like it was just presenting what's there. Yeah. It didn't necessarily have any more answers than you did, but like needs to show you this, right?
0: And just say it didn't it what didn't is. pretty anything up, right? Like it's very yeah. stark. It's very Blatant and and specific in its terminology and its vocabulary and the venom, right? Like the, the way people are per- playing these characters in this is like yeah. everything is heightened to a certain sense, but everybody is, flipped, you know, and I think that's the thing that really, really came into focus for me. Watch is like what, what he's capturing is look at how we it. look at how anything in this environment can escalate out of control and the people at the bottom are getting murdered for it. Like look at it. And it's, it's everybody. And he, because he, he shows everybody's commentary and everybody's little side conversation of where, what, little part of identity or, or validity they're holding on to like this. I built this place with my hands. It's been 30 years. These kids grew up eating my food. I'm really proud of that. And then 20 minutes later, he's yelling the N word, you know, like it's just this it's such an an interesting collection of all of these things. And it gives all of them an equal volume. I think it's all loud. It's all heightened and aggressive and like, but it's, it's not, I don't think there's any champions really in it. It's like everybody's f- because of what has been what's happened and what we're not acknowledging this whole way. And, and that is no, absolutely as relevant, if not more so today. And it's f- ridiculous that it is so relevant. And, and, and it, it, it was, it was, I knew watching it, sorry, I've just kind of gone on a thing. Like I knew watching oh, it that there was going to be a turn. You know, I, it's Spike. I I haven't seen this movie before, but I know Spike's reputation, and he he's a very like loud voice in, in uh, a critical voice of, of America in film and film and and storytelling. So I knew it was coming, and by the time it hit, it was just like God, why it's so freaking familiar, and we're we're like the the progress we've made in quote is now that we all we're just aware of it now we're just seeing it it's it you know it it's still happening there's more eyes on it we're we're but it it is just it's the same this is 1989 like what what the hell man like it, it it's it's very it's a snapshot it's an it seems authentic and it seems it's not prettying or championing anybody. It's saying this is what it looks like, and this is why this stuff happens, and nobody's talking about it. Why are we not talking about it? It and that it, it it's still that important. It it doesn't feel dated. In, in like I feel like I've in a similar way with like the Godfather stuff, like movies that you've seen referenced a million different ways. When you come to them, there's there's nothing left because everything's been said. Coming back, this this did not feel like that at all. Like, I, I, from the influences of the things I've heard about Spike Lee, there's things that I identified from it, but it was just, like, this is an important storyteller. This is an incredible filmmaker with a very unique film language, and he, like, it's still, seriously, you can feel the heat. Like, how many movies do you feel the f-ing temperature of the story? Like, that, it, uh, yeah. Sorry, went hither and yon with
2: that, but that's no, first but, impression for me <laughs> yeah. real quick to, to jump in there with a couple of points you made. Spike is often criticized for by certain people. I just point out it's often criticized for um, quote unquote only tackling race in his movies. Right. Or why does he only, you know, approach these things? And I've heard him respond and he says, I'm still a black man in America and nothing's changed. So I'm going to talk about it. And you know, just to tie in with what you said there, like this is from 89 and it's not changed. And so he spoke about it then and he still spoke about it in his other movies because it's not changed. So that's
1: a question I have for you. So I, how
0: familiar are the rest of you with Spike Lee's works in general? I've seen the five bloods. I've seen inside man. I've seen most of the Jordan commercials on YouTube because (laughs) I love those. Sure. Yeah. I think I've seen the Fight the Power video. I didn't realize that came out the mm. same. I guess they promoted this film with that music video, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I think the, the song, the song
2: that... was an original for the movie. and then Oh, kinda, shit. Yeah. It kind of blew up as Public its like from there. So. Damn! Um,
0: Flavor a... out there getting some fucking <laughs> play. <laughs> His full name is Flavor, spelled O-U-R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim, what about you? How familiar are you?
3: Um, I've seen uh 25th hour i think that's maybe the only one aside from this one and in inside man um okay. i haven't se- I, i've seen uh, in one of my classes we did do a lot of study of he got game so i have the overall mm-hmm. impression of it but i haven't seen the whole thing all the way through sure. um also we did a lot of study of black clansmen, so i feel like i <laughs> yeah it's like all these all these films it's like i know the beginning middle and end just not all the pieces that connect them you know so i know I do want I do really want to see Black Klansman like actually all the way through, but I know a me bunch too. of the big big turning points of that. And I yeah, it makes me really, really excited to want to see it. Um but um yeah, I think yeah, the only ones I've seen all the way through are I think 25th hour, this one, and uh, uh Inside Man, I think, unless there's others that I didn't realize were Spike Lee. Yeah,
1: so are you gonna be my uh, my savior here, Zeke? Are you gonna be the only one of us four who's like intimately familiar with Spike Lee's catalog? <laughs>
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, I there are definitely some important ones I'm missing. I, I do want to go because this is his third movie, which is weird to think about that it's cause that's very early on to just mm-hmm. knock it out of the park like this. Um, but I do want to go back and see um she's got to have it in school days. I haven't seen either of those. Right. Um, but I've seen this, um, Mo Better Blues, Malcolm X, Black Klansman, um, He Got Game, Um, The Five Bloods. Um look in here to make sure there's no other ones. Um, parts of jungle fever. Haven't seen Red Hook Summer and oh, I haven't seen Chirac yet either. So they're still oh, I mean shit, I feel like Chirac I've seen a good too. Yeah. I feel like I've seen a good chunk, but there's still plenty that I'm meeting uh, that I'm missing. So don't know how much of a savior the other thing is
0: he's all over the shop like he writes he directs. like he does music videos like his Mm -hmm. influence like he's been in a lot of different audiovisual projects for a lot of years it's it's interesting when he when he shows up with with a new film it's always like oh yeah spike spike does movies still you know but it's not as frequent he's not as in vogue or or like doesn't churn them out as but like the five bloods was incredible and planned like he's having a resurgence, not that he's gone (laughs) away, but like in recent years, those two have been met with much notoriety. Like the five bloods was just one of the most interesting, unique Vietnam stories I'd ever heard of. And it was just really well executed in the way he plays with time. And like that, that, that film is incredible. And I was like, Oh dude, like spike still, he's still got stuff to say. And it's awesome that like, He's not, and it was for Netflix, right? Like he—he's not mm-hmm. having the the Scorsese whine, like, hey, I don't, I can't make my movies, and then he makes Irishman that's three and a half hours long and <laughs> has really feeble kicks, <laughs> CGI kicks of a younger De Niro. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I look, I've watched The Irishman twice <laughs> because it's Scorsese, and I like hearing it in the background. Okay, I like look. <laughs>
1: because that was going to be my question then for any of us was how how much do we think that Spike Lee's filmmaking has changed you know, in general? Because it seems that there's sort of a how do I, I put this? Because I don't want to say that he's like stayed in the past I guess, right? But just mm. that overall the, the cultural portrayal of race has changed since the 80s and 90s as as everything does. Um, and we've seen new filmmakers come, including non-white filmmakers with new works, and Spike Lee hasn't really... Like, he didn't stop making, but he's making less stuff, it's a little less direct, right? Like, Black Klansman was a history piece, right? Instead of a sort of a you know, history piece of a specific plot, instead of a present day
0: piece about time and place and Chirac,
1: well, i think it's not I mean, like
3: you know
0: it's interesting yeah. cuz the the money to make projects about black stories that weren't being told before it's now more available because we have more right like like more producers of color who are like hey let's tell these stories i think that's part of it i don't think spike's lens as a like his lens as the age he is in america like that hasn't changed i don't i like there's definitely a Um, Do the Right Thing has a very New York film school style to it I would say like I definitely was like oh this dude really appreciates these kinds of moves he does a walk and talk he has this framing he's like this is a very New York style and the way it's cut is kind of dynamic and punk rock and it's very film school and very avant-garde in that way and then even Inside Man when his camera moves right like the, the way it's very intellectually informed and the way he kind of his storytelling film language is really interesting, and then in *The Five Bloods*, he, like it's it's it's. I think it's just refined. He's using the tools and the modern techniques. I think the commentaries and the, like what he wants to say about people of color and black people in America hasn't changed because nothing's changed for him. But so he, but like I think he's just getting to tell, like who nobody was clamoring for or nobody was telling the the five blood story. Before he had a Netflix like check to do it, so like it's I I don't know that's the thing I I think we've all like four or five I don't know how many films we have to see of a person's canon to be able to judge how we have changed as a, a filmmaker over time. But I'm I'm interested to see because Scott, how many have you seen? It was it's just, just this and inside these Man? Two. yeah,
1: yeah, myself. yeah, yeah.
0: I guess so. That would be my answer. Like I would say, seeing four or five. Go watch or the newer stuff. Yeah. Like I think yeah, The Five Bloods I you would find really fascinating, Scott. I think like in terms of your like how your appreciation for non linear storytelling and specifically war film mm. storytelling, it it it's really unique in that mode, you know, like it it's
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think too I was going to I was going to throw that one out there cuz watching this one made me want to rewatch The Five Bloods because I think yeah, there's just a brutality to it and an honestness with it. And I think, um, you know, there is a, you know, it's important to tell the story of black soldiers in America and various wars. And I think this one does that. And in a very Spike Lee way, not to say that it's just trappings of old films, but like, he's very raw and intentional and it's beautiful and it's interwoven. And there's not just a very clear cut, like, Oh, this is the experience for all black soldiers. And you know, in Vietnam, it there's depth like there is in Do the Right Thing to each of the characters and how they interact yeah. with the war. Um, so I think his best qualities, you know, have transitioned with him throughout his history as a filmmaker.
0: There's something to, with Five Bloods, that the tone, like, there's a frankness to it. Like, there, there's, like, this is objectively awful, but we're not putting any sauce on it. You know, it's just like, like the, the landmine sequence in it, like just the way that progresses and the way he uses it, it it spoils nothing. Just like there's a landmine scene, but like, it's just, it's a very interesting dynamic and how they approach that and how he develops it. His pacing is very interesting and deliberate too. I think as, as, because that's, that's the thing about this, like, do the right thing has a very deliberate like it's it's the course of a day it's almost like and it, the way it accelerates you kind of you get you, these different branches and you see all of them kind of swirl around each other and then they culminates and everybody at the end like it, it accelerates out of control through the tensions and the heat of the day and that's really fascinating and really interesting and i i, I like that's the crescendo of that, not I mean, that's dynamics. That's not speed. What would be the uh, the increase of uh, tempo, Tim? What, what's the celerando? Celerando, always also, on allegro. Also,
3: <laughs> also uh, crescendo means to gradually get louder, louder. So technically, the crescendo is the build up to the climax, not the climax right. itself since you're asking about that's either. been
0: tim with the composer minutes <laughs>
3: <laughs> composer
0: Slam!
3: so so I, one of the things i i thought of um cuz yeah the only the only other one i've seen outside of the, the two we've done here is 25th hour and uh, i forget if that's like i think that was a spike lee joint cuz i remember i thought i remember seeing that in the in the credits i can't i can't uh, be sure though but one of the things that i thought was similar with that like inside man is he's not sort of dealing with uh, so much of the, I, I guess to simplify, it, he's not so, he, he, he still is dealing with aspects of, of race, but not racism. You know, like I feel like with Inside Man, we have the juxtaposition of, oh, the criminal's the white guy and the cop is the black guy, you know, but just kind of presenting it in a more normalized way of, uh, you know, breaking the, breaking the conventions and the stereotypes that usually show up in cinema but not necessarily tackling racial issues you know that are current more just like you know um uh you know uh, kind of like uh it's not the same but it reminds me of like with um with Shits Creek how part of the whole point of that show is they're, they're, they 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 ha- their world is sort of this imagined world where homophobia just doesn't exist so it doesn't even like play into the story at all so as a way of tackling homophobia and issues of homophobia they're just like we're just not gonna we're gonna pretend it doesn't exist and what would the world be like without homophobia and it almost seems like he's doing more like that where you know there are you know definitely characters of different races and we're seeing sort of like their different cultures you know like when when Denzel Washington's on the phone with his his wife or girlfriend I forget which she is you know the way he's kind of talking with her and communicating with her and then the way he is when he's at work and things like that so we're we're seeing his sort of backstory in his life and his culture but we're not um you know digging into the fact of like he's a black cop and how does everyone treat him because he's a black cop he's just doing his job you know um And I feel like part of that juxtaposition is also what, you know, with the 25th hour, um, like uh, Edward Norton's character, he's like, you know, a drug dealer working for, I think it's the Russian mob or something like that. And he ends up like getting arrested and he's going to go to jail for, you know, selling all these drugs and you know the fact that oh look you know the 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 drug dealer is the white guy and you know he's working for the russian mob so again there there are, there are different cultures and races going on here but it's not dealt with it's being i think maybe purposely dealt with in a sort of counterculture sort of way where it's like yeah like you know, if anyone else in Hollywood was making a, a movie about a drug dealer who goes to jail, oh, well, yeah, let's get a black guy to play the drug dealer. You know, I feel like that's maybe the stereotypes he's aware of and trying to purposely go against that, you know, but but again, not in a way of, you know, the movie, it's, it's been years, I can't remember exactly, but it doesn't actively deal with racism. It's more just showing, you know, people of different races kind of intermingling and like, you know, his, his girlfriend is, uh, um, 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 her name uh rosario dawson you know so they're they're an interracial couple but it doesn't really get into like oh how are people reacting to them as an interracial couple you know it's just like they're just an interracial couple in a film and it's just not really all that talked about you know and i think that seems to be more of his approach in those films is to just present this stuff as just normal and not talk about it um oh that's the other part yeah in 25th hour the, the cop who has the search warrant comes in and searches his house like he's black so again, it's the, it's the police officer who's black in this film and the criminal is the white guy, you know? So, so I think that's more what he's doing. It's a little more subtle than, you know, again, it being about racism, but just more playing into and contradicting the racial stereotype seems to be more, you know, what he's doing in, in those films. And, and again, those are the only other two I've seen. I don't know about all the others, but um, that was definitely a through line that I see in those two that was different from Do the Right Thing.
2: So, first impressions for everyone overall are good. Sounds
1: like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Good. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
1: Very good. They make me want to watch more of his movies. Yeah. Like, it's always I mean, a good sign. Not that he was off the list or anything, but mm-hmm. as we've talked about, right? There's, there's the stuff at the top that's like five or six items. And then there's the pile of mm-hmm. things I want to watch that's just the size of you know of a mountain right so he yeah. got pushed yeah. a little closer to the top with this for sure yeah
3: well unfortunately too i think for me at least it has a lot to do with what streaming where you know um, like i keep oh, keeping God. an eye out for like when is black Klansman going to be streaming on one of the services i'm already paying for you know like the minute it is boom i'm gonna watch it but it's like you know do i just pay for it now or I just wait a little longer until i can watch it for free you know or you know free because i'm already paying for it you know so i feel like that's kind of where a lot of it does fall Where is like yeah i want to see more of his stuff but like if i can just wait until it's convenient i'd rather do that than just start like paying you know four bucks a movie to watch it and you know that type of thing also yeah. it's like it is it is kind of i mean that was one of the i guess i could say that's part of my first impression is watching a film from this era you know like kind of remembering that era as a kid and like, you know, what things looked like back then, you know, like the, the whole like cross colors, you know, like that, the that, that type of clothing and just like how everything looked and, um, and the hairstyles, you know, it was very, very nostalgic for me and very, very weird in that sense. But, you know, and a lot of times I do have trouble watching older stuff because of that sort of dated look, but Um, at least with this, I think I fell into it a little easier. I think because I remembered that time, like at first I noticed like, oh man, like I remember when things looked like this and people dressed like this and you know, what a, what a weird time that was. And, um, it's also funny too, that I, I, I think I like clothes. I know how a lot of times that's usually a big part of an era. It's usually the clothes and the hair like clothes doesn't bother me too much. I feel like, because. Oh yeah, like, you know, I could see I could see, you know, wearing something like that now or why people wore something like that, but for some reason hairstyles always really bother me in movies. It's like you you didn't have to do that. Like, why did you choose to do that? You know, a lot of the time and um so that's always really funny. I always I always get more of a kick out of uh hairstyles than I do about clothes. Um I don't know, maybe it's also more of like an an internal and external thing. Like, I mean, you know, yes, I get oh no, I guess you have to choose both, right? You have to choose how you're gonna style your hair and what clothes you're gonna buy and everything. And I don't know. It's yeah, it like I just I guess, yeah, I don't see I don't always see clothes of a certain generation as being good or bad. It's like, oh, that's what everyone wore back then. But whenever I see hairstyles of a generation, it's like, why did you do that? That looks terrible. <laughs> like objectively, that is terrible.
0: <laughs> Seems like more of a deliberate act, like a deliberate yeah. sabotage of your yeah. massage. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Well, I think part of it too is like, you know, I remember, I remember people saying like, you know, like when I was younger, like, oh, you should, you should never make fun of people's clothes because you don't know how much money they have. Maybe that's all they can afford. And it's like, yeah, I get that, you know, and especially of a certain era, but it's like, but hairstyles, like you have to spend money to make your hair look a certain way where well, you could just not spend <laughs> money, just let your hair grow. And that would be fine. You know? So it's like the fact that you're actually spending money to make your hair look a certain way that ends up looking ridiculous. Like, so, so I think that's kind of like how I justify it to myself where it's like, this don't make strong statements, but you can make fun of their hair. <laughs> <laughs> not like I want to talk, but I mean, that's, but that's what my whole thing is I don't do anything. <laughs> This is just what happens naturally. So I'm not paying money to make it look like
1: this. That's a great line in the movie, right? when Bugout is trying to organize his boycott. And he goes up to our, like, four-person, you know, <laughs> yeah. entourage that's been walking around. <laughs> And they're like, "You should boycott the barber." <laughs> your head—what like, a snazzy line! Like, <laughs>
2: just no momentum—the opposite of the, momentum. That, yeah, his name is, is
3: bugging on. out. Like, <laughs> <he's> like <laughs> to skip ahead to what to favorite scenes? That was one of my favorite scenes. I was like, "Yes, thank you." <laughs> God. God damn! <laughs> oh. awesome. oh.
0: Gustavo Fring is uh, yeah. has
3: a different look. Different right? look in this one, <laughs> right? Yeah, it took I, me till the end of his first scene to realize that was right? him. Like I saw his name was yeah. in the credits, and it was like as they were out go. talking by the
2: car, like right after he'd kicked
3: him. I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I had to like back it up and rewatch the whole thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to very quickly. just I love again, love the character interactions, but holy <laughs> shit, is this just a fucking star-studded who? cast?
0: Yeah,
1: because yeah. you get.
2: Absolutely the debut checked. of Rosie Perez. You get the debut of Martin Lawrence. Like the first movie for either of those two is here.
0: Introducing yes. Rosie Perez. I was right. like, oh, yes.
2: Seriously. And then Martin <laughs> that Lawrence intro, is this first She has role. the
0: whole cold open. That yeah, like that dance long intro. <laughs> Holy shit, that was excellent. So well done. Quick. Well,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, well I'll we'll pivot there real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, so one, I think. I don't know that there's a much better song to just set the tone of a movie than fight the power does for this movie. And I think they just nailed that. Fun fact before, uh, fight the power was written for this movie. They were originally going to have her dance to cool jerk, which is just a extremely different vibe. So (laughs) I'm glad we missed out on cool jerk. This is just a different, (laughs) different movie, sillier, lighter, goofier movie. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, she just steals the scene with the choreography. Like, she doesn't get much more screen time throughout the movie, a couple scenes here and there, and she steals those too. Like, going off on Mookie and, like, letting him have it at the end there. Um, But yeah, to set the tone with just that powerful dance up front to fight the power, I think, does a lot for establishing the vibes of the neighborhood, the tone of the movie, really well done.
1: And that's funny cuz I made a specific note that these opening credits were super annoying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> of course like, you did.
1: I like opening credits in general always strike me as one of those things that a lot of films get forced into doing
2: mm.
1: which like like happened to George Lucas, right? When he didn't put opening credits again in Empire, didn't he get fined? Like oh, wow. like it's yeah. yeah. So I don't know if things are still that way, right? And but yeah i guess that was... 9 for this movie right but like so opening credits have to either like be good or quick or forgettable for me mm-hmm. right like well, if that's... i had purpose yeah. or something great if they're quick enough great if i just forget they happened five minutes into the movie great this one was none of those things <laughs> like if it had been shorter i think i would have been happy because it sets the tone great we've got the dancing the music is happening that beautiful silhouette i'm like okay yeah we're getting we're entering into this place and this is the thing that's taking us there and then at a certain point it's like is all is this all the same person like why is why are her clothes changing is this going to come up in the movie is that are we are we
0: going to hear the whole song what's going on and like <laughs> it was the 80s into the 90s scott it was it's a visual collage we used to do these things <laughs> did you ever see sesame street yeah, like, guess, of fucking, like this is an audio visual trick from the 80s slash 90s sorry Zeke. i know you were champion at the bit but i'm like this is a this is a generational thing that you're not seeing scott i'm sorry <laughs> i will not hear this <laughs> it's funny.
2: your mother's sensibility... gonna say <laughs> modern <laughs> no yeah i was gonna say I, I i feel that a little bit like it does go on but i think it does go on a little long but i do think that is more of just we just don't have opening credits anymore yeah and no, it's not it's, it's it's so it's very much a uh time capsule 2 of when it came out and just being like, we're going to show you everyone's name who's in this movie. I'm going to show you everyone's name who contributed to this movie. You're going to sit there up front and see it with a song and some visuals and Rosie Perez for this one. And then you're going to sit there at the end and see it again. So <laughs> <laughs> You're going to respect the goddamn crew in this movie, goddammit. <laughs>
0: Like, um, I care facts. less about the names, like right, like I just like the the time, like the sequence, like give give Rosie her room to dance, please, <laughs> Scott.
2: It's a hot um, day. <laughs> she's dancing it out, boxing gloves and all. Fun fact Let her for fun that, loose it out. <laughs> fun fact for that. Apparently, they shot like eight hours of her dancing. For the, which okay, that seems is... excessive. Okay, see. So, Come on, yeah. spike, Scott has a point. Okay. They, 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 there was too no, much. No, you're right, Scott. I've re- re- of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> got <a> long... <laughs> No, I've got to get this eight hours down to three hours for the right. Like I definitely, I got the 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 toad setting, but then eventually, yeah, I could have been, been done in a minute.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like okay, well. They, they didn't quite manage to add enough purpose to the whole length of them, right? Or, I don't know, one mm-hmm. two names at a time instead of one. That's such a good pick, right? But just... Because I just saw the Mario movie, which does actually have opening credits. Cool. But I had to look them up because I forgot they were there. It's a kid's <laughs> right. movie. And it has opening credits. And they're forgettable. That's why I was sitting comparison. there. It was just like, they're forgettable, or they're quick, or they do have a purpose to the whole thing, right? And it's like, give me give me one reason. Um, I feel like that would be a neat conversation if we want like, go through a bunch of the films we all just watched—not now, just in the future—and then like see whether they have opening credits, and then go back and watch them and see how many we forgot about. Because mm-hmm. I bet there'd be plenty that I forgot about. Just like, oh yeah, this has opening. Oh, what the hell? Men in Black is the one I always forget. Oh yeah, just mm-hmm. that whole shot with the bug, mm-hmm. right? And I'm always like, oh yeah, what part of the movie is this I'm watching? Oh, it's the opening. Okay, sure. I, like, I, just, you know, I wonder how many others I forgot about right until the film is gone. And the only reason I didn't forget about these, to be fair, is because the song comes up through the whole film. <laughs> so yeah, I keep fair.
0: seeing it again, right? You know? it's like Top Gun, where they play Danger Zone six times. Oh, like, God, they really do. They play... <laughs> danger, danger, danger zone.
1: <laughs> Great, our film is done. Hey, boss, you didn't get a soundtrack. Oh, how much budget do we have left? I got like three bucks in my pocket. <laughs> well, I know Kenny
0: Loggins. Let's get his dangerous so Yeah, just give it to <laughs> he Kenny. me a favor. Kenny's good for it. No <laughs> That's it. One song.
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, to so, loop like, us back to Gus Fring. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. No, go, no, I was well, going to
0: deviate wi- wildly again. So please go back to Gus Fring. I'm just going to yeah, finish just... my list of people.
2: Yeah, just, yeah, no, just and then we can absolutely. deviate in any direction. But yeah get Rosie Perez and Martin Lawrence debuting. Martin Lawrence, as he is and everything, is just hilarious oh and goofy in here. I don't know what the f*** <laughs> Lisp voice is doing. He just made a choice. Just Spike out, like, just, just go, yeah. Martin. Just go. You're going to have so a TV great. show. It's going to be great. Hilarious every time. Um, so you get those two debuting. You get Samuel Jackson, Ruby Dee, Danny Aiello, Giancarlo Esposito, um, John Turturro, young John Turturro, um, you get Ossie Davis, you get it's just like that like what a cast spike he's in here doing his thing too which is pretty phenomenal like he played that role really well for you know
0: and he's he carries a lot of it too like yeah he's up front and i mean this movie he did everything on right like this is the one he pasted everything together on so for him to be center stage and he's a good actor too Mm -hmm. like he's definitely like i don't know like we don't see him much in things anymore but yeah, this, like he has that that tool belt too, right? But, you know, it, it helps that his character is unobtrusive, right?
1: Like he yeah. doesn't feel like the director was just like, "Wow, well, I'm going to be a lead in my own movie." Haha, right? Like, exactly. Luki's yeah. whole purpose is to guide the audience to, to give a, a place for the audience to follow through this ecosystem, right? And obviously, he acts and he he does things and he holds up the performance beautifully, right? But it's not the, you know, like like the pillar type of role that you get from certain leads in Shakespeare plays, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, no, yeah, we need an acting force to just hold this entire thing up. It's like, no, this is the center point, and it has to be strong, because it's holding the film together. But it doesn't have to be ostentatious, it doesn't have to be spectacular is maybe the word I want, right? He does it
0: so well, he just moves so smoothly through every aspect of his film.
2: Yeah, that's so a great point
0: the shakespeare thing because i like i always think spike and shakespeare and this has that like there's a there's chorus and like the different like the way it moves is very shakespearean but yeah like the the the, the main character is not a great tragic figure go ahead zeke sorry just the shakespeare
2: thing. no real i want to get back to shakespeare too i have shakespeare in my notes as well um but no i i just clicked for me that Because I, As I always am obsessed with the cast, especially if there's a ton of people, I just fanboy over holy (laughs) shit with all these people. This is the perfect movie to just have a who's who of great actors and character actors and just historically good actors. But because they, you know, no one's really ever, like they all steal their scenes, but it's not about any one person because it's, again, about just each individual, but how they fit into this, broader knit of everyone else so if any one person is like over the top doing too much in all of the scenes right they kind of ebb and flow together and steal the scene here and work together and they're a supporting actor here or a bit player here and it just meshes together so well they have this talented talented cast from top to bottom complement each other in this way with their interactions with each other
0: absolutely it's like Mookie as a character like is very like make no waves right like that's very yeah, much his his goal even though like he's like I want to go get laid and not not work it's hot man like just you know, <laughs> let me let me deliver pizzas in my own damn time it's all mookie really wants but like he's like stop blowing up my spot to to bug it out he's like dude you need to fucking <laughs> chill like he his his whole thing is maintain maintain I gotta work. So here. That's, yeah, yeah. When that's your POV, when that's the the choral character you're following through the story, like that, that sets a precedent. Like this guy is not, he's not trying to make it in show in business without really trying. You know, like he's he's not the song and <laughs> dance guy, but he is a conduit for, like, navigating this space. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think it's why Spike Lee does so well in it because it's it's not the type of of role that requires. I guess I'll say, requires good acting. That's not the phrase I want, right? It's a different kind of acting. It's not about inhabiting character as a person. It's about narrative acting, right? Like, like we said, the conduit, guiding the audience through this time and place and through this ecosystem. And someone who's going to do that doesn't necessarily need to be Sir Patrick Stewart. You know, but they do need to have an understanding of the film they're making and the purpose of the film, right? And in that regard, who better than the director, right? So... Right. Yeah, it just works.
2: It really works. Yeah. I think on that note, and hopefully this is a jump off to the Shakespeare stuff and a little bit of everything else. But again, the main thing that I love about this movie is those character interactions and how they plop you into this neighborhood as, as almost as if you're a piece of it yourself. And mm-hmm. again, that's what the camera works to. But absolutely, just, in between scenes, though, you'll go from seeing two characters interact and then one of those characters, and another character interact, and it just is on a dime shifting. And I wrote down a few. But you'll go from a pleasant interaction with one character and then that character will go to an angry one with another. So early on you get Mookie walking down the street and you know he says hi to mother sister. She's oh be careful out there. It's going to be a hot one today. Take care of yourself. You know, moments later the mayor walks by. She's like, you drunk, get out of here. I don't want to deal with you. Um, you know, you get Radio Raheem. He doesn't talk to anyone I through most of the movie. He's just angry. He's got his boom box. He's, you know, the camera shots are up, showing his power. He's kind of looking down at everyone. Doesn't want anything to do with anyone. And then he comes up to Mookie. They, you know, greet each other. He tells him about the love and hate rings, you know, just, it's like, wow, he can talk. He can go on this whole thing. Um, we yes. kind of already referenced it, but talk. like late in the movie, uh, You know, Sal is, you know, everyone's closing up shop. There's some tension. Um, Sal is talking about how uh, he's like, oh, he had a good day. You know, I'm going to change the name. It's not going to be Sal's Pizzeria. It's going to be Sal and Sons. Mookie, you're like a son to me. You're always, there's always going to be a spot for you here. And then, you know, the, the, the uh, group of four walks in and then bugging out and radio Raheem walk in. And he just goes from telling Mookie, oh, you're like a son to me. They walk in, the mood drops. He's like, what are you doing with this music? And, you know, even early on, you get John Tuturo as Pino, and he's talking about, like, I hate this place. You know, it just every little, little tiny interaction with how someone's talking to someone else or how they're talking about where they're at gives you so much backstory on this character has problems with this character. This character loves this character. That, you know, And you, they don't need to spell it out for you. You're just plopped into that exact moment, and it tells you so much about that character's history, every little interaction they probably had in the past that makes them feel this way about this character. Um, I just love all of that. I just think, to me, that's what makes this such a perfect movie.
1: The Almost every interaction, not all of them, but most of them throughout the film, Even the friendly ones are sort of in opposition, not adversarial, right? Mm -hmm. The three guys, right? They're just constantly bickering about one thing or another. (laughs) Every, every, uh, almost every interaction involves two people pushing against each other until one of them
0: stops. Because shippiness to it, yeah, absolutely. Either because
1: he he just knows when to walk away or sometimes he wins, I guess, rarely, but mostly it's it's this sense of just, like, it's not worth it, right? Like, we've gone down this adversarial road to up to a point, and we're not going to go farther. And the big climax of the film finally happens, and we've reached two characters who both refuse to do that, right? Who, Radio Rahim, who doesn't, back down ever once through the entire movie no not at all Every, unyielding the whole thing. everything about him is absolute unyielding get what I want or force it or take it right just be firm and so he comes up to Sal who's done give and take through the whole film with his son with his other son with Mookie with Bugout with Jade with the other customers you know um, and and he picks if he'd walked up at a different moment Sal might have backed down Right? But on the other hand, Sal's the only guy to bring back down to in the whole film otherwise, where they turns the music off the first time around. right? So he's just like, no, I, that was my one for the day. right? That was my turnaround. But then even after the riot, we see it again. The one of the guys sitting in the store turns and starts advancing on the convenience store. And the other guy in the store says to him, that's enough, <laughs> no farther the whole thing is just about this like you were getting at it before Joel. about forces all of these forces all moving in different directions and pushing and pulling totally unrelated to the other forces so sometimes they push against each other or with each other or not or whatever and all of these forces you know eventually certain things have to bend one way or the other and you know what happens when they stop is when the idea that's that's, that's the one time in the whole film where neither side bends Right. Is
0: the well, and it, it's in that, like, are they going to not the, do the, the convenience store next? It's like, okay, w- you can see the potential for just burn everything down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's a really important distinction that Spike's making with that moment is, is like there is... <sighs> There must be a place for, if there's this kind of injustice, there must be righteous violence and retribution, but to a certain point, I think is what he's, old. like, and that's why he I puts it, MLK and Malcolm X right, right next I was to gonna him. say, he you picked, know, like, that's... You know, Malcolm X is a,
1: you know, complicated person with an exceptionally are. twisty history. You know, MLK's message was a lot more monolithic, right? and And I think it's really important that he picked that specific Malcolm X quote. Because a lot of other things he could have picked could have been a lot Absolutely. more provocative, or a lot more aggressive, or or a lot more in line with MLK or whatever. But he picks that one, and I think that you're right. but it, like it's a pressure cooker. Something has got to give. But that's not once that pressure is give, you know, is released. It it has to go back to normal. It has to simmer again, right? You can't just burn forever. Yeah, and it like... felt really really meaningful yeah that like that they stop there and then that quote too especially because they come really close together right the quote is the end of the film and the stop is the climax like like you said like yeah this this has to happen it must happen there, there will not be another choice but there's a difference between you know fighting for yourself and fighting against someone else that's a really pitiful way of putting what i'm feeling
0: but The thing about radio, like, it was interesting, like, you had said aggressive, Scott, like, I think he's like, he was a presence, like he was, he was an unyielding presence, and it was loud, right? Like, I I think there is, there's some, some sense in which that is because of Sal's violent reaction to it, and an unyielding, like, I, I, I don't know, I don't think, I don't think radio was aggressive. He didn't back down from anybody, and when he when he it was like whose music is louder, like the Ghetto Blaster duel, like that that's that's not aggressive. That's standing your ground. It's like you 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 spitting back at the guy who's fucking rap battling, like that that's that's not aggressive. I wouldn't say like so. I I think like they're both unyielding, and like for him, I don't know. He was just such a present. He was like a fucking (laughs) Greek hero in it. Like when he shows up, you heard the music first. You saw the fing <laughs> thing. He fing <laughs> conquered like 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 a, a rival, you know? Like you fought, he was like this hero, and he's the one that fing <laughs> suffers. And like it was really I don't know, like I you don't know a lot about that character, but I I did I loved that character instantly. I was like, that is such a cool like like a, 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 a um, an abstract character, a stand-in for a a, a completely com- he's a I mean it's Bill Nunn. he's a big dude like six pushing six four like big dude occupying space and just holding his ground and not he's doing what Bugging Out is doing being unapologetically present and black and big, but he's doing it differently because Bugging Out is constantly talking. Right, there's pontificating going on rather than this presence. I think those two and the way that they combine and what that leads to and how it it the the power that they have together is really interesting. But I thought it was a really interesting. That I don't know, for, I, Scott. Just the See, agree- I like talking, that.
1: Thinking- that- Symbolically, he's this presence. Like you're right; it's not aggressive. It just is what it is, and it comes and goes, and it passes. But again, like you said, when he
0: when he goes to Sal and Sal is pushing like that at that point, there's no there's no going back. Absolutely, and yeah, I think.
1: But the problem is that personified as a single person, no one else ever gets their entire lives stopped when he shows up. Right. Every time. Right. And that, like, it maybe the aggressive isn't the right word, but I don't know. It's rude, at least. Right. Yeah. Like at minimum. It's interrupting. Even... Like it's an interruption. Right. Absolutely. Right. Would, as a yeah, as yeah. a symbol,
3: yeah. And you know, it's it's a great way to go through, but as a person, you know, what an asshole, basically. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking, like with the whole like the the ghetto blaster battle, like the, the the group of like Puerto Rican guys, like they were just hanging out doing their thing, and he shows up and is like, Hey, I'm gonna play my music louder than you. And it's like, hey man, like we're just here trying to do our thing. And then he goes into the, when he needs more batteries and he's super fucking racist to the people in the convenience store, you know, like, like they were minding their own business. He kind of brought his shit. It's almost like that, that sort of um, like redirecting his anger at the wrong people, right. what I saw him as, you know, like, like, yes, he's oppressed, even, even with Sal, like Sal's a white guy, but he's not the one who has been sort of, you know, oppressing him as a person you know and 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 the fact yeah that that like i feel like yeah there are these levels and hierarchies of racism without the film right because you have the cops you have danny aiello and the you know the italian americans you have the the you know most of them is like the black community but then you also have that small group of puerto ricans and the koreans who own the shop you know and it's like seeing all those interact it's not like um you know like i said there is a hierarchy because the 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 koreans are definitely loaded lowest on the totem pole at that point you know because like er- almost everyone is like talking shit about them except for that one guy who's like yeah i'm gonna go give him my money i'm gonna go buy stuff from them you know but like so that's the thing is like with with uh, uh with radio like he's you know he's definitely like m- misdirecting and kind of taking stuff out on the wrong people at times and also yeah like like creating those situations. It's not like he's sitting on his steps and the Puerto Ricans came up to him and they're like, "We're going to play right. our music louder than yours." They were minding their own business and he started a confrontation. You know. So he's, he's like... like
0: being a presence at the expense of others. Right. That's the aggressive yeah, that's thing that he's doing. Yeah. He's invading these spaces and 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 that's maybe that's another thing is like to 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 claim your presence and your identity and say this is what I am in the world but doing it in such a way that it's not victimizing other people or make like invading or like that. It's such a
1: contrast to to Mookie, right? Who we talked about this whole thing with uh, Bugout. Look, I got to work here. Like, he doesn't blame others for pushing, for pushing at their place. But he kind of seems to know that if you push too hard, something pushes back.
0: Well, and that's right. the thing. Mookie's working on them too, right? Like he's talking to Sal, he's talking to Pino and Vito. Like he said, yeah. like what is the difference? I work with you. I, you know me. Like where is where's the disconnect here? So mm-hmm. he's working. He, he he's like, I see you pushing the game this way. I'm pushing it in here too. Like it, we're all working on the same thing. It seems like that. That's very much his his space. It seems like.
1: Yeah, I love what you said, Jolo, about bug out and ready or coming together as two separate pieces of the same force that feels so so good so natural right the that verbal hustle that gather other people that constant motion and then radio rahim's just like solid you know raw
3: power right
1: now given direction it's
3: It's like sometimes when they talk about like the hulk and they're like we can't control him but maybe we can aim him And I feel like that's what what bug out does. It's sort of like, I feel like, you know, uh, Joel, you've used this uh, phrase a lot in um, uh, Bronson, you know, uh, like, I feel like radio is a coiled snake where he's just like, give me someone to hit or something. And and he's like, Hey, I'm trying to boycott this pizza place and kind of steers him towards (laughs) that. And it's like, yeah, he made me turn down my radio. I'm mad at him too. Let's do that. You know? And it's like, yeah, if we could just like, point him, I'm going to point you in the direction of the thing that I want to go f- <laughs> up and it's like, okay, yeah, let's do but that. That said, Radio Raheem really seemed to at least
1: like, I don't know, know what he was doing I guess, know what he was working for When Sal bashes up the radio, Bugout's face is as if Sal just bashed out Raheem's brains mm. all over the room. Bugout seems astonished that oh my god, something happened it's this this almost this sense of, what the f*** <laughs> did you think was going to happen? Right? Like, he thought Sal would just roll over. That would be the end of that. Or Sal would eventually say, get out, and on the 28th time, they'd turn around and leave. Right? Like, I, Bugout seems surprised. Right? Raheem does not. And to be fair, maybe that's because he's focused on his music, but, like, yeah, Raheem seems to be you know, much more aware of his own presence, and his own potency, and the stakes, I guess, more than Bugout. Who seems to be because the way he talks all lot, right? I mean, mm. do you want to say hot air? I guess, right? Like he just yeah, yeah. He's he's doing it to do it, but he doesn't. When he goes up and he gets ready over the him and he points him in a direction, he's not really fully aware of exactly what he's done, you know. And until it happens, and then Isn't... yeah, then it happens. Please, please, Zeke.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say with all of the interactions we talked about, uh, two things for me that come up. One is again one thing i love about all of the history that's baked into these relationships is because what we're seeing is just one day right yeah and so much more is implied though because you know like you said like for bugging out to get raheem to go boycott the the pizza shop there's more to it for sal to react the very first time when raheem comes in and is just full of anger and wants him turned out it's not because it's raheem's first time walking in that shop ever there has to be something more there, right? Like something is, they've interacted before where Sal's like, I hate this guy, you, here he is again, and now I'm mad the instant he walks in my shop. You know, Raheem turning the corner and going to the Puerto Ricans, that's not the first time they've interacted. It's the hottest day, they're all here, they've all seen each other, they all love each other, hate each other, or have some relationship with each other. And we get this glimpse into one day where it's as soon as someone enters a scene with someone else, the movie lets you know that something has happened in the past, and this is why they feel that way about each other. And I just love that for all of these interactions we talked about. The second thing is that I think this movie does such a good job. Jolie said earlier, it doesn't champion anyone. It also doesn't make anyone a villain. Like no one's. It's just people. Yeah. That are At the start, later. it sets yeah. out to sort of
1: make Pino the villain, mm-hmm. but then yeah, the film just continues and. Mm-hmm. I I mean he's maybe on the lower end, but
0: Pino's as close to one as there is. Yeah, but like <laughs> right. at the, at the end he's really... just getting horrified and like mortified. Like what he he has no he has no advocacy agency anymore. It's stripped of yeah. him. He's totally shell shocked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then the the cops too, like you get, you know, oh, yes. Please. I mean he's also very yeah. much of a villain there. Very much at the end. Oh, yeah. Earlier on, though, you get caught. Yeah. You know, when they're the the fire hydrant scene, and the cops we talk come about up and that they're scene because that's yeah.
1: a brilliant scene. Mm-hmm. Like the, the angry guy, the cops show up. They're spending their day driving around, turning hydrants off. I'm sure today, mm-hmm. right? They do not care about some guy who got wet from hydrant number eighty seven that they're closing <laughs> up today. Firstly, right. right? And then, you know, he's like. Well, they were, the, I don't know, Mark, what does he call them, Mark and Jim, or whatever. Like, uh, well, can you tell me their last name, sir? Black! I'm like, oh, so they're brothers, which he's, like, playing a words in like that. With the, oh, the same last name, or they brothers. But the other guys, like, they're brothers. Like, brothers for black. Like, and the cops are sort of, they're almost neutral at the start, right? Mm-hmm. They clearly don't care about this guy getting wet. They clearly right. don't plan to really do anything other than close the damn hydrant. But then the scene goes on a little longer. And, you know, with the guy in the car, there's a little bit of ambivalence, there's a little bit of annoyance, it's a little bit of, yeah, sure, it's fine with this jackass, why not? But with some of the black kids on the block, there's an immediate aggressiveness. And it doesn't show up until a good, like, half or three quarters of the way through the scene, when he's going over to turn the hydrant off, you know. The one guy, right, he doesn't just say, like, okay, back up, y'all, I'm turning this off. He says something it was much stronger right it was, yeah, like, it was very... like get out of here turn this up. like it was immediately
0: gruff you know i don't remember the actual phrase and that's the turn right there for like also oh, and um, was anybody surprised when the like it was it was lovely to see like fire hydrants like it's a hot day let's dance in the <laughs> sprinklers but i knew the second we saw that we were going to see hoses turned on folks And I was like, Spike is just, it's telegraphed. Like, I just knew it was coming. And I was like, oh, remember, remember who you are, what you're watching. Like, Spike is not about to let this, like, and the the, the awfulness of those bookends, you know, to have this really cheerful, joyful, like, they open it and the cops come and they fix it and they're belligerent and awful for that scene. But it's like, they just turn it off. They're going to go down the block. They could probably open it back up if they wanted to, you know, that kind of thing. And to have that at the start and then just the, the seedy awful underneath of that and the worst, worst of the worst end of it. Like I just, yeah, I just, I was very irritated at Spike. Like, yeah, those are perfect bookends, but gross, ouch, pain. Good, good for you. Good, good, good for doing it to me. Um, Favorite scenes I'm just going to jump in right here Like, uh, Spike For casting himself as the person to put Ice on Rosie Perez Because that is a scene And he's saying, thank God for X, Y Thank God for Rosie Perez Is what I will say, and that is my favorites Like that, just introducing In this film, she just Just legendary
2: Yeah, that is a scene mm-hmm. <laughs> spike goddammit.
0: like fucking tarantino does it too like just <laughs>
3: <laughs> gross <laughs> i think i don't know like i <laughs> i'm just gonna play devil's advocate like the fact that that was her introduction and i know it was a it was a very different time but like Like, oh, we're going to put you in your first film. You have to be topless and it has to be me putting ice on your tits. Like, you know, like that, that's a little bit, it seems predatory to me a little bit, you know, that like, it's not, you know, I feel like there, you know, um, like, I feel like later on, you know, there are, 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 you know, actresses who later on have chosen to appear nude you know and it's like oh hey i have a reputation i'm gonna do this you know like like uh when Halle berry was in monsters ball you know it's like by then she's she was pretty established i think like she probably didn't have to do that mm-hmm. like you know it's probably like she was like you know what i'm i'm comfortable doing that. i mean i could be completely wrong too but i mean it, it wasn't her it was first a new role. actress right? right only get this
1: huh there's that question of will i ever get another role again
3: Right. Or is this yeah, the or one where like only get rolls of my tits, you know. Right. And like so I, the I fact that it was, it was like, yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah. the fact that it was her like introduction and it's like yeah, you you're going to have to be topless. You know, like that that seems kind of like self-serving and kind of f***ed up, but like, I don't know. I don't know the whole thing. I issue agree. Of that. I totally
0: I totally agree, <laughs> but to to just just like Rosie like Tina is a fucking character though like she's a f***ing mom and she gives mookie all of this sh- for not being a father and she has this dynamic with her mother like like it's not it is not a like faceless soulless bond girl number 3 you know like she has a role it is topless and all of those things and like predatory obviously it's the 80s it's spike but it's like spike is is a director of color really er- like this is a new new concept it's it's like an indie film it's like I I don't know what the relationships or any of that would was like I I can't speak to it but absolutely like that that was my point is like Spike, it, it's skeevy that you did this to a, a debut actress it it came out really well because Rosie is very hot that's that's what I'm saying that's all I'm saying
2: <laughs> and so I've, so I've heard some interviews about it um, and she said you know she she embraced it she was excited. To be nude, but once it got to her breast, she wasn't as comfortable with that, mostly because of how she was worried about how her family would react. And she said that her dad saw it and basically had a heart attack and they had to take him to the hospital because he was oh like, no. Holy oh, shit, my daughter. <laughs> um, so she going into it, she was like a point for Spike. She said that he told her, you know, like this is what I want to do for the scene. Are you okay? And she was until it started happening, and then she was like, very upset and he was like, are you okay? I thought everything, you know, I thought we agreed to it and she was just very worried about how it would be taken and things like that. So yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I think probably not perfect with how it went down. I think if it was shot nowadays, they would have an intimacy coordinator on set, something like that and could, could help work through it at the time. It was very much like, hey, would you like to do this in the scene? She was like, sure. And then actually no, but they did it anyway. And so, yeah.
0: Any other favorite scenes that are less problematic?
3: <laughs> one one of one of my favorite scenes was actually um Radio Rahim's like whole like love and hate thing. Mm-hmm. Which I sort of found like ironic because like it was one of those things where oh this guy really hasn't spoken yet and then he does and it's so insightful. But then it's like you're you're kind of living in that hate is winning kind of realm. Like you're not going around spreading love, you're going around like very, he's very much fueled to kind of in a lot of way by his own ego, you know, represented through the music. He's not being sort of a, um, a force for love to me, you know? Um, but I did enjoy the metaphor of like, you know, the left hand being the hate right hand and, you know, and how he's doing the boxing, which I feel like, I don't know a lot of box, about boxing, but isn't that part of it where, like, your non-dominant hand is the former hand that you're doing, like, jabs with? So it does, like, mm-hmm. a lot of work with your left hand, but they're kind of not as weak. And then when you finally lay in with your right hand, that's where you get the power from. So mm-hmm. that, that he was kind of making that comparison that, yeah, there's a lot more of hate, but when love finally does strike, it does win. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, that was really cool. And then it's like, you know, I feel like they're they're – yeah, there are elements of him just kind of being a bully, and it was like, oh okay, like, like it means less that you, you know. I still enjoyed what you said, but it means less coming from you now that you're like, you know, bullying these Korean store open- owners because they're not like, you know, because they don't speak English and they don't, you know, they're not hearing what batteries you want and like, oh, when do they expire, you know? And it was just like, damn, dude, like this, this is not love winning, which is what your whole speech was about, you know, like you're 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 being that guy kind of, you know. Right. But, but anyway, like, I, I, you know, I did like the speech it set itself. It gave, I feel like it gave him, yeah, There was the thing, is it gave him his character a depth, like when we finally hear him speak and it's so insightful. But then it, like, yeah, like after it was just kind of like, why don't, why don't you practice what you preach, dude? You know, like, yeah. You could have, you know, like, like, like if he was acting more like the mayor guy where I feel like he was, you know, a lot of times the mayor was trying to be like a moderator between people and like he saved the kid, you know, like, like if, if Radio Rahim had been acting more like that, I feel like it would have given more credence to his whole speech. But instead it was like, oh yeah, hate and, but love will always win. And then it's just like, you, give me my right batteries. You know, it was like, damn dude, like that's, that's not love. You're not speaking from a place of love, you know, like. But, but I still did like that scene in the, you know, up to that point in the movie, I thought it really, you know, hit hit pretty hard and was really cool.
2: Yeah. that Speaks to how imperfect everybody is to go from yeah. that to going to the interaction yeah. with the store owners. Yeah.
1: I don't have an unproblematic favorite scene. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. <laughs> it's the, right at the middle, what feels like the middle of the film, when we get all the characters straight to camera giving yeah. the racist tirades right yeah. also Bucky against one the of my... italians and pino against the african-americans and i have Wikipedia in front of me here the puerto rican character against koreans the white police officer against puerto ricans and the korean against the jews and then stop our yeah. dj samuel L. jackson shows up like and says everybody stop take a breath and it's oh because you know the whole film up to this point has been all of those push and pull and all of those struggles, and we've seen a lot of Mookie in particular talking to Pino and talking to Vito and talking to to Bug Out and you know everybody. And like so, when when that sequence starts with Mookie going off on the Italians and then works its way through all these other characters, including characters we've barely seen say three words at this point. Okay. Oh, it feels like it's it's a mire. The film is stuck. Right? It has like been slogging through of like shin deep water right and it just like that's when it gets on its knees and just kind of sits like oh it's getting dragged down and samuel jackson shows up and says like just just wait just give it a minute (sighs) you know take a breath stand back up it's just a beautiful moment
2: yeah and i I, i have that as one of my as one of my favorite scenes too because i think it's a testament we've talked about it in passing multiple times but the camera work this scene oh yeah, is a testament it. to the camera, work. yeah, because it feels so much more raw and powerful and hurtful because they're looking at you and they're just unloading insults at the camera and you're like, don't bring me into this. I don't feel these ways. They're like, why are you talking to me that way? Just, yeah, to have that, to for everything to break and go kind of fourth wall addressing for this tirade of racist rants, and then for Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Senior Love Daddies, uh, hold the f- up, let's yeah, not do a drink this. of
1: cool water in the, in the yeah. middle
2: of this hot day. Mm-hmm. He shows up and just, no, 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 no.
1: don't
0: do this. <laughs> yeah. and I, I Take think, a chill. I think the, chill. The, 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 the camera work in that scene it pays off so much what, what Spike's been doing the whole time. And you see, you see, folks from different angles in this film than any other film. You're a little bit higher than eyeline, but they're looking up to meet you. They're looking down at you from the stoop. Like, it's like you're a silent person there and you are where your height would be in relation to them. Mm-hmm. So it's always from a, a height, a weird, interesting angle. And the lighting is just, it, 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 it. and then when they're looking straight dead at you with venom, that, like, it, it just, it 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 makes it so much personal more personal, but it's also like you realize how much in the scenes you've been. Mm-hmm. You have had a perspective from from a unique height, you know? Like, seriously, when you look up and down at these characters, like, it's really, you can see that the, the language is different. The shots, I, that was the thing, I just kept writing shots because the angle was so interesting every time, and it was unique. Like, I I didn't know you could shoot from these angles that he was getting.
2: Yeah, I think that's rewatching it for this is one of my, I don't want to call it one of my biggest areas of growth as a film watcher, because I remember the first time when I saw it when I was dumb and early in high school or whenever it was, I didn't like it because as much because of the angle I was like, Oh, I don't know about all these. Why is the camera sideways? Why is it up? Why is it down? Just because I hadn't seen anything like that really at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, everything I had seen was very studio film, very straight on. And so seeing it the first time was just thrown thrown off by it. And that felt maybe uh, not, maybe unpolished to me, but that's not oh, at all yeah. what it is. It's very intentional. I didn't know that at <laughs> the first time I saw it. But yeah, now it's probably one of my favorite pieces of it and how it's used. Um, speaking of, I'll just keep rolling for my other favorite scene, for the camera work and also because of the interpersonal character relationships. It is the scene where um, Radio Rahim and the Puerto Ricans are playing their music because the camera, the Spanish music playing when you kind of, when the camera approaches the scene, you know, they're jamming, they're hanging out. It, it approaches them with that music playing. Then the camera kind of rapidly swivels to the boom box and then up to Radio Rahim, and the music changes and then it swivels back around in a complete one, uh, a complete 360 from where it started back to the Puerto Ricans, who at that point are angry. So you first see them, they're happy, yep. they're listening to the music. Raheem's boombox, up to Raheem, back to them, mad. And again, that just, to me, just how quickly characters' interactions can change when they see another character from this movie, that scene alone summed it all up for me. Well,
0: and it said, it was a f***ing, it was a shootout. You, like, yeah. you the music, it might as well have been... Like 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 right. in, in spaghetti western style because you it, it, it heralded his arrival. You heard fight the power. You saw the thing it came from, and then mm-hmm. like it also zoomed in where it has that kind of like the blue light like uh, uh uh graphic as it was pumping like kind of in the central console. Dude, I just the ghetto blasters were <laughs> fucking rad, dude. Like I always thought that was the coolest things ever. I totally missed it. Like it was not not my era. <laughs> But, like, I always thought they were so cool. My dad had, like, a really busted old one that you could totally use for that, and I, I thought it was really cool. I was but so like, Raheem had – and he – that one yeah. he had. Was he's a, f- had a tank. He's like, carrying that thing around all day. Man. Just as Before he big got that as, muscle. Oh, man. Yeah. And Bill Nunn looking lean, like, lean in this. Like, big yeah. – took
2: 20 d batteries that's 20 that is a lot of d batteries to be carrying that's around heavy ass radio. five
0: blister packs
2: radio rahim keeping energizer in business solely by himself
0: god body by energizer jesus <laughs> put the bad ones in a sack <laughs> like that's what you use against <laughs> the Jeez.
1: um unrelated i could, can. let me pivot have any of you seen in the heights Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, in the heights. I mean, uh, obviously yeah, yeah. there's always going to be a certain amount of overlap, right? We're talking about another minority neighborhood in New York City, but there were a few things that felt almost directly lifted, right? Um, the Piragua guy and his fight with yeah. Mr. Softy.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> thought about that Mr. too
1: this Softy. time. I, I was like, killed. oh shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: right? oh. I was like, this is a real thing in New York.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, you know, but otherwise it, it like whiteness almost has you no know, presence in in the heights mm-hmm. because it's less about these shifting forces and more about what we we not doesn't include me obviously we being the, the cast the neighborhood this this ecosystem now what is what are the choices that are going to happen now it's like a generational question right mm-hmm. it's a totally different focus and then oh well i should have asked have you seen the film or the show because the stage musical is different from the film. they changed a few things. Mm-hmm. Not super dramatically, but, like, there's a lot more immigration focus in the film that wasn't as much of a thing in 2005 when the show came around, right? So mm. there are different different nuances and different topics, and different decisions the characters are facing, right? Um, but it's all very, like, it is really all about these characters and the choices that they are going to make and their uncertainty or the pressure or how they gather the info, Right. Which is, it's such a weird, like, it's weird to hold these two things up together, right? Because so much of it of uh, Do the Right Thing has Boogie trying not to make a choice, right? That's kind so, of his thing. I mean, just, yeah, whereas in The Heights, all of the characters are like, I need to make choices now that are going to set my future path. What are those choices going to be? And how can I tell what the results are going to be?
0: It'd be interesting to see the, the Do the Right Thing musical, because, like, it just, just in terms of, like, the mode with, with, like, I mean, musicals, not that they all have to end on the high note, but, like, they try to, they try to trend for some kind of catharsis, I think, at least musically, in a way, for, for resolve, resolution in that way. And I think it would be, it's interesting to think about, like, they are very spe- specific and interesting and sp- specifically using the same tools of, like, creating this ecosystem and this environment for us to experience the city. And like these characters within that environment at the, these points, but it's really interesting. Like, where where a do the right thing musical would try to land at the end? Like, I don't know that there's. Uh, it, it's just an interesting form, you know. Just like in the Heights as a play or, or stage play without music. Like, what what would be? I don't know. I feel like with uh, maybe this Scott. If you find this, I don't too. I don't know. Like I, I feel like we've all. Four of us have seen a lot of musicals, but I don't i I don't know that I've seen too many musicals that end on like the downer just as a form. Like is that is that a thing you've seen, Scott? I know you've seen a lot more from behind the scenes than not that I can think of offhand. And it's not to say like
1: has the happiest ending ever because it means you (laughs) get to stop suffering You get to leave. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, couldn't resist. (laughs) Couldn't resist. Um you know. Um, you know, you you could look at you could look at Phantom, as sad oh, for fantasy. Phantom.
0: Oh, wow! Obviously. Okay,
1: um, but not for everybody Sondheim? else. <laughs> oh,
0: there—that's oh, Sondheim does the do the right thing muse Oh, it's done. It's sing. It sings Wait. position. It's done. That's it. No, you did it. There it is, Scott. That's how you do it. You, you fixed it. <laughs> Sorry, why? What? what made you think of Sondheim? Why? I no, I know who, who did who did it's not hey Weber Weber, excuse me, it is Weber. I'm you're right. I, I'm i sorry, Andrew Lord. <laughs>
1: that's all right. Um, but I that I was thinking about company, which honestly, like, yeah, fair, yeah, fair. so yeah, you're, you're, um, there you go, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't have to be offhand, I guess, like, even, even, um, I was gonna say Le Miz, which is such a, a, you know, genuinely miserable plotline, right? ends with that, like, 60 seconds of oh, everything was terrible for the characters you saw here, but don't worry, the future was better. End of, end of thing, right? Like, <laughs> what a what a weird just tack that on at the end. Note.
0: So, yeah, I don't know, offhand. Yeah, the, the idea of the, like, choices versus the non-choice or, like, <laughs> the producer (laughs) once in jail (laughs) prisoners of love blue skies above can't keep our hearts in jail you don't think I know this Uh... you don't don't say the producers around Um, me Scott Murray I haven't seen it but isn't Into the Woods
1: pretty depressing I don't know I
3: can't remember
1: I just know that every so often you encounter people who like Suddenly realize that it's a popular choice for
2: high school theater groups, and they all go, <laughs> "Why, schoolers?" <laughs> like, so I, I don't Doesn't... know. <laughs> how about rent or does rent have like a tiny uptick after all of the depressingness? Mm, no no yeah, it's still, it ends sad, sad right dope, yeah, yeah. It's, it it's like a little, little bit
0: sad it, it middle sad, <laughs> and it ends sad. it's all sad. No, i mean there's, there's
3: the there's... whole like atm thing that where hmm. angel repro- or not angel but what's his face reprograms it so that anyone can get money hmm. out mm-hmm. it. it's like oh look we did this nice thing in angel's name that's cool and I mean, at least musically i think i remember it ending upbeat like yeah, yeah like like, like you know, a bunch of like, people yeah. still die but it's kind of like <laughs> yeah you know, it it died right reprised, towards the end but... <laughs> 2500
0: however many minute, yeah. minutes that that's a nice uptick wherever you are in the fucking emotional
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: arc of the play
1: i mean this isn't really fair but west side story because mm-hmm. it's yeah. just it's Romeo and
2: juliet so i that's guess fear. that's fair yeah, yeah. That's fear. yeah sorry, oh, sorry. It, yeah, it, yeah. Joel. No, I do really. About, yeah, 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 I just really choices. want to say I'm very happy that you brought In the Heights up because yeah. I was watching it. and I saw the Piragua Man, and then I saw yeah. Mr. Softy. I was like, Man. "Oh <laughs> shit Christopher Piragua Jackson and, and, song in about to and That's why <laughs> yeah.
1: the the, play's, the musicals. That's why the stage musicals yeah. better. <laughs> it's it was, his own yeah. mini song. No. <laughs> it took me right,
2: out, it? Of, uh, <laughs> took me right <laughs> out of. Me right out of Do the Right Thing. I was like, "Oh shit that's what we're going to do about his say? Back on
0: Broadway. You got ripped from Bedford-Stuy to Broadway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: oh, man. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, sorry, Joel, please. You were saying about... No, yeah, I like, was like...
0: deviating wildly on this wild deviation. I was just commenting on <laughs> the fact that we were talking like show tunes in the same breath as... <laughs> <laughs> Spy- a Spike Lee musical I would f- <laughs> love to see. can you imagine the song
2: (laughs) i did want to ask and i feel like this is a good of a place to ask it as any but what did you all think of mr senior love daddy's character because i'm having a hard time placing i can't quite but he kind of reminds me of a greek chorus because he's there is that Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's a comic but yeah. so he's disconnected from it. Yeah, and he like yeah. chimes in and is he's soliloquizing. Like, yeah. 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 Uh huh. Okay. Seriously, cool. like yeah.
0: it, it, this feels so Shakespearean because of these little pockets of characters and everybody's heralded. They're like like the whole like an atmospheric, but it's also very Greek play wise. Yeah. Like we kind of have oracles and we have wise man like who is also a drunk, so nobody believes him. You know, okay. you have these Smiley like mythic...
2: is... yeah, yeah, Smiley. Smiley's kind of Shakespeare's fool until he isn't, and he's yeah. branched yeah. it down. But like yeah. for the longest time, no one really takes him serious. I don't know if it's fair to call him Shakespeare's fool because he's not comedic relief per se. But like but he's when also... he's trying to share his message, no one's really everyone's brushing him off, right? So
0: Smiley is such an important character, yeah. though. Like yeah. a character with a speech impediment that severe mm. in in not severe but just like that advanced i don't know what the correct Mm -hmm. terminology is but like that character also in the neighborhood like and Mm -hmm. his interactions with everybody and the also like who he who he feels confident against like sal he was able to kind of bounce against and he was like no I like I have like he he wasn't like anybody's whipping boy but he also would ally himself with people too so it was just a really interesting I know he had to be assertive, right? He had to go after people and be like, hey, if he was going to make any money, you know, selling that stuff. Like he, like, I don't know. Like it was a very, very interesting, specific character. And like the, the, yeah. w- with Sam Jackson, like the, I love that character, that, that, that commentary over the top of it. And, and mm-hmm. it, it slowed. It literally like slowed the frame down when he said slow, cool out. And I love like he does the roll call and it's, it's all of the artists. Just thank you. Thank you. you." Like that, that was such a great, and you're just kind of getting these, these shots of the city as that's going on. There's not a whole lot happening dialogue wise, right? It's just shots of the city and you're seeing more. That's the thing. It feels so three dimensional, the city, you know, it doesn't feel like a set. It feels like they shot it in the neighborhood yeah. And there you're seeing the back sides and up and down on all of it. Like there's it doesn't feel artificed that way.
2: And he, you know, he's mm-hmm. an observer for a lot of it and con- com- commenting on it. And yeah. then he there are times where he's interjecting himself when he gets his good ass <laughs> chicken parm oh, sandwich yeah. delivered and he's talking about that. And he's, you know, this song goes out to, you know, Mookie's girl. I don't know. Like he breaks that fourth wall and or not fourth, but he breaks the wall and interacts with the characters too. Um, just as much as he kind of steps back and narrates for us what he's seeing with those characters, which I really liked.
0: What a name to Mister Senior mm. Love Daddy, just outstanding! <laughs> like it. What's the I name break. of the the yeah. in in uh, um, oh Memphis Blues? Is that the name? The Jarmouche. What did we want? Memphis? No. What is it? Mystery Train. Mystery Train is in Memphis. It like the mem- the fucking
1: the, bells? The Japanese cups. No no no
0: this, this is this is before your time. So no, sorry. The before. <laughs> before. <laughs> no, like the, the <laughs> in who oh he's the hotel attendant in the, the, the hotel.
1: Screaming Jay Hawkins.
0: Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah, I was just that, that's where I was like that that I definitely had that <laughs> <gasps> association. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, you have to scream, screaming Jay Hawkins' name. <laughs> that's, that's just a requirement by law. I have to do it. Uh, hey, yeah, what, you... like Giancarlo in, in this, like didn't recognize him. And also, like, where has he been? He's been in everything. He's been around <laughs> yeah. forever and he's been in everything. Like he's incredible.
2: He said he said, okay, you're telling me I can open my own restaurant and put up whatever I want. I'm opening up a chicken restaurant and cooking meth. <laughs> And then I'm going to go f- and deal with Walter White. No, but like, he's, yeah, such a good actor. And yeah, I was I such a different up, role too. Yeah. I would throw up the, um, you know, the why aren't there any brothers on the wall scene as another favorite scene. Cause it's, it's just a pivotal classic scene. Like the you movie. said,
1: that can't be the first time he's eaten in there.
2: Yeah. Right. He comes back, he sits there, right. he looks up at the wall every day and says, you know what? I put my money here. and." Tired of it? I'm going to say something today. Much money. I'm going to put much, much money money here.
0: (laughs) dude, I like much money. We're bringing that up.
1: Yeah, Yeah. much money. (laughs) Can we also talk about how the slice is a buck fifty, but extra cheese is two (laughs) bucks?
3: Also, (laughs) the most is that the extra cheese itself, or the slice with
2: extra cheese is (laughs) two dollars?
3: I I think the
2: cheese itself is how I took it. Like, for adding more cheese to your pre-existing slice, you're paying $2 more. (laughs) I think, Uh, but no, but now that we're talking about it, no. I that seems f***ing egregious. Yeah, like, (laughs) that's that's what I thought, was like, you know... I know, you're
1: probably right, Tim. There's something about the phrasing
0: (laughs) that was like...
3: Like, he was demanding two dollars,
1: right? (laughs) Top of what
0: he already got. We
1: (laughs) we need to compare
0: the economy how much money could we spend for the wing place versus Sal? <laughs> where, where's your money going to take you further?
2: <laughs> One rib.
3: I, I do. I do like to the scene where, um, when he's kind of ranting and he runs into, um, uh, 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 uh Mookie's sister. Mm. And she's like, Oh, I wish you could find a more productive way to direct your energy. Yeah. I really like that because I feel like yeah, it's, that I feel like that's also timeless because especially now with social media, there are just so many people like complaining about a bunch of stuff. And it's like, that's great that you're riled up, but what are you doing besides posting on Facebook? And not that Mm -hmm. I have the answer, but I'm just saying like yelling at a bunch of people on Facebook, isn't going to fix stuff, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like running around being like, why doesn't this one little pizza shop have any black people on, you know, it's like, that's, that's not going to end racism. And not that, you know, any other one thing would end racism, but like, you know, and it's it was funny too because I saw that whole thing as like oh it's kind of like a metaphor for like with Hollywood you know like like we need representation and stuff like that you know which is like yeah like if you're talking about all of Hollywood and all of media like yes there need to be you know black faces that people can see but this is like this one little pizza shop run by these three guys like like is that really what's gonna gonna sort of change the world and change you know like and and I just liked that she was kind of like. You know, I was kind of hoping he was going to be able to listen to her because she wasn't being like confrontational with him about it, you know, and maybe discounting, you know, the core of his issue. But it was also just like, like you're, you're going through the whole day. It's hot as f- <laughs> you're riled up about the pictures on a wall in, in what must be your favorite pizza place. Like, so sure. Like, like you have all said, he's been there before. Like, why now? Why is all of a sudden he right, riled Sal up? Says to him, right. You're gonna pay for that today, or uh, putting on a tab, right,
1: or whatever <laughs> on layaway, or whatever, yeah. right? Like this is a frequent thing with him. He's been here mm-hmm. a lot, you and know. You so it's the like nail on the head. To him. Sorry, yeah.
3: please. yeah, just like, and I like how she just kind of pointing out to him, like, 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 not to say that you shouldn't trying to, you shouldn't be trying to change injustices in the world, but like, there are way, probably way bigger injustices you can kind of go after than just like. You know, the the pictures on a wall in the you know, in this this restaurant. And yeah, you know, I'm also assuming wondering too, like probably no one else has had an issue with that. You know, like plenty of other people eat there, like he said, oh, these kids grew up on my pizza. It's like mm-hmm. if you're going to an Italian restaurant, it's like, yeah, like that's you know, I, I, I why it's would you expect that? Yeah, like you know, it's 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 the ambiance, whatever, you know, like you don't, you don't go to Olive Garden and be like, why isn't there any Asian art on the walls? You know, like, it's it's an Italian restaurant, like, it's you know, Italian so Italian
0: like, adjacent restaurant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Italian restaurant. Why doesn't this P.F. Chains have
3: a Van Gogh on the wall? Right, <laughs> So Zero like stars. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I just I just like that, like, there was some there was some voice in the film because because. I feel like this happens sometimes in films like this when you get so many perspectives and you're, you're wondering like, am am I supposed to be rooting with this guy? Because according to Facebook, yeah, maybe this guy is right. Maybe this is what we should be angry about and be paying attention to. And then her to be like, like, that's great, man. But like, are there other, you know, is this, is this the hill you want to die on? Is this the the fight you want to start? You know, there could be something else that might, you know, you have all this energy and that's great, but like, maybe you could devote it to something that actually would help people and make things better instead of just being angry about something and trying to get other people angry and get something to happen that isn't really going to change much of anything, you know, like, so, so it was nice to be like, okay, like I can, you know, because I also feel like with stuff like this, when there are, you know, characters, like, every time, if, if, you know, if there's a Black character who's doing something that you're kind of questioning, is it like, oh, am I just being racist because I think what he's doing isn't the best idea? Uh, I, I guess I just have to sit back and be like, this this is okay what he's doing. So to have another character in there be like, this it's not bad, but it, it could be better. You know, like, you could make another choice. I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just, okay, Like, like, yeah, like, he could be, Directing his time and energy a little bit better that that wasn't just me being racist you know someone else thinks that okay got it you well, know that, it,
0: that's the film is doing it does such a good job of that right yeah. everything has a counterpoint or everything has a where could this go more more extreme in quotations or more measured like it, it there's all it shows all of the options I think that's the thing about it is like yeah. it shows all of these avenues that it could go and it's interesting Scott with like the the I don't like. I don't want to ruin in the heights for Tim. That's fine. But like choices versus non choices, like what ends up happening, what Usnavi ends up choosing at the end is interesting in the context of like the 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 inability of choice and like the inevitability of what happens at the end of do the right thing. Like yeah. there, there there is all of this anticipation and hope around choice, but what ends up happening is 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 non choice or the cho the choice is to to stay. And that's, that's interesting too. See, I don't because... know. I,
1: I would sort of argue that it comes down to, there's a, I'll, if you'll forgive me, I'll quote Harry Potter here for a moment, but the choice between being dragged into the arena or walking in, standing high, right. Of like, usnavi didn't end up staying because he made no choice
0: or
2: waited no, too long to no, no, make no, a no, choice. No, he,
0: yeah. He, he recontextualized, he made it home. Like, right. But I, I just, in terms of like what we were talking about, like choice in that way like i interest
1: yeah 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 tim you you hit the nail on the head for me with the facebook thing i know a lot of people on facebook whose posts are only visible to their friends and they only make friends with people who have the same news as them and they complain on facebook constantly but like it's always very basic stuff like hey here's a, a news incident like you know, you all need to wake up and like realize that there's you know police violence against minorities in the country. And I'm always looking at the list of people who could see the post, and I'm just like, but half the people who could see this have experienced this themselves more than you have, and the other half, like, we're talking to you about it last week. You, what? What? <laughs> like, who are you telling? So, like that specifically kind of irks me sometimes. Um, but then, related to what you were talking about, representation. Uh, I watched a YouTube video with Sarah the other day. Um, this channel—I don't—I don't have any idea who this channel is, or if Sarah just sort of found them and they got recommended. But they do these like uh, one odd man out type situations where they put a bunch of people in a room blindfolded, and um, they have them talk to each other for like three rounds of ten minutes, and then vote on who they think is not, you know, like one virgin and a bunch of non-virgins, or like a bunch of people who are. You know very overweight and one skinny guy or whatever and the video we watched was a bunch of black people and one white guy um and it's super it's it's not like contentious right it's very friendly everyone's sort of getting to know each other and then drawing things and they cut away to after the fact interviews with the individuals about like okay what made you think that why were you motivated there like and like at one point um in this video the white guy was actually adopted by a black family when he was an infant Seven weeks old, I think. Seven days old, really, real. You know, so all he ever knew was South Central black community, right? that's the one white kid, but otherwise he was essentially just raised like any other black kid, right? He, you know, um. And at one point they're they're like down to two guys they're not sure about, and several of the people later they were they were like, so I was thinking it was guy number five because he sounded like he had a more middle class upbringing, and that felt like he was more likely to be white then, but like. That was one of the black guys right you know like, it was more south central family and anyway at the end of the video they asked everybody you know what's something you'd like to say about you know about race in this case i, I assume they do it about all the different topics I, I haven't seen any of the other videos yet but one of the guys the black guys said and it really struck me he's like like we're always so angry in media why do black men always have to be angry and mean like we can be happy we can be funny i'm a funny guy i'm relaxed but then he said the thing that really caught me It was, why can't there be funny black characters in films? And I was thinking, like, wasn't there a problem in like the mid-aughts when all the black characters were comic relief and that was its own problem, right? Because black characters weren't being taken seriously. And, you know... The just... difference
0: between being comic relief and then being funny. Well, right. I think that's an but interesting distinction. Well, that's what too. I mean. It
1: struck me that like,
0: this A, too, too far to one way or the other
1: is no better right? But B, like, interesting how quickly these cycles change of representation. Yeah, especially, I, just, I mean so. the
0: proliferation of film and media and who's making film now also, like, the, the space is in large, it, like, mm-hmm. widened for as well. Words. Should we do situational movie recommendations?
2: <laughs> so? You have real some quick, notes here. Use, yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah, just real quick want to use that springboard yeah, absolutely. to talk my, my shit quick.
0: No, please, like, Tim had a heart out. I'm just trying to like get oh, us yeah, yeah. that. Oh yeah, no, that, no, no right. I, that's
2: we, not, half, we still got a half hour. So yeah, no, gotta...
0: I'm just letting everybody know. Please yeah. proceed.
2: Well, i 45 minute rant now. We've got a I'm window. I'm going to talk my, shit, but I'm going to talk my shit quickly. But I do want to talk my shit about the legacy of this movie. Um, oh yes, because my blunt talk my shit statement is this movie is what Crash wishes it was, and. This movie was not nominated for Best Picture in the year that Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. Crash, notoriously, won Best Picture in a year where maybe it shouldn't have. And I think it's interesting because of how Driving Miss Daisy and Crash handle racism with kid gloves, basically. And Crash babies you along the way and says, oh, look at this black, you know, these two black guys carjacked this white family and look at this white family suspicious of this Latino, uh, you know, handyman and they think maybe he's a gangster and also this Asian family and this white family don't get along in their rate. And like every step of the way, it's like, oh, look at racism, got you there. He's not really a a gangster, he's just a Mexican guy. And like, you're an idiot, whereas do the right thing doesn't treat you like a moron the whole time, but it talks about race in such a meaningful way. You know, it, it puts you there. It says, here's this group of people from all these walks of life. And in this moment, this person's bad. And in this moment, this person's good. But it doesn't hammer you over the head with anything. But it tackles race in such a way that in 1989, this movie made a lot of sense. In 1999, this movie made a lot of sense. In 2009, 2019. I was seeing yeah, right?
1: images of LA riots in this.
2: Yeah, right. I was
1: seeing Eric Garner. Mm-hmm. In this exactly,
2: yeah. Right? The chokehold and the police and everything. Yeah. And it's just it's I don't know. I i, I don't mean to bash on Crash because I feel like, you know, Crash it was a movie and it was you know, it won an award. It was it a movie. Was, I it think that's fair. I it was a seen movie. It, but I also well, I haven't met a movie. anybody who really liked it. Right. And I think like it's a... one that you scary. know. Yeah. I think especially in hindsight, people look back and say, Oh, it was it was a movie. Um you know, and I just I don't know. I I just wanted to make the point that just oh, I, I applaud, applaud this movie of how to, to all those other conversations because of how layered races, how you know layered our interactions with other cultures are with our own culture. All these things. I I, I don't. I think you'd be hard pressed to find another movie that pops you right right into it, makes you experience it, makes you feel it, and talks through these important issues in a way that doesn't do it where it's like. Here is good. Here is bad. Right? It introduces the love and hate. It introduces the two ways to approach, um, you know, various issues. But it doesn't say here's the side of the coin that things need to fall on. Here's the right way to do it. It lets you experience all of it and crash.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I will defend Driving Miss Daisy though, because yeah, that, no, I you're right about like treating racism with kid gloves. But it yeah. Driving Miss Daisy felt like it did that with understanding. I guess mm-hmm. right that the way that I uh, this is going to be a really awkward analogy, but the way that Avatar the TV show deals mm-hmm. with war in a child friendly manner, right? There's that great scene where um, Zuko is and his uncle are on the run, and they're staying with the Fire Nation family, and the girl is like, "Oh, I know who you are!" Like she looks at his scar and says, "I've been hurt by the war too," and she shows him the burns on her leg, and it's this, "Oh my God!" You know, it's this like shocking moment of, of civilian suffering Share in a trauma. children's show, right? Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't heavy-handed at you, and it doesn't pull the throttle back with some wimpy, like, oh yeah, like, lots of bad stuff has happened to me and mom, but let's make a joke. haha. Like, there's a really nice nuanced sort of, we're gonna hand this weighty topic to children in a way that's meaningful, but also, we're gonna polish it up because they're still children, right?
0: Yeah, it's not deflecting away it's, right. it's driving acknowledging. Just,
1: it feels like it, it handles race similarly and racism similarly to me, right? Mm-hmm. I guess a responsible kid glove sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, at least with, with the attempt to do so, right? In good faith. Yeah. Um,
2: I do apologize whereas, yeah. that driving Miss Daisy caught astray in my rant. Oh, no. I did not mean <laughs> I, to I, <laughs> call I that out. I didn't think you
1: were trying I'm to coming for him. all of them.
2: I <laughs> didn't <laughs> think, think <laughs> you were trying to
1: insult <laughs> it. I just kind of wanted to mention.
2: Like, yeah. Uh, that's a fair Kid point, gloves. Sort of. <laughs> well, yeah, which I'm um, pulling and, up because what else was nominated that year? I was gonna
1: ask you, yeah. So, best picture nominees here we have Crash, Brokeback Mountain, Capote, mm-hmm. Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich. I actually would be hard pressed to pick one of those, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to say that Crash shouldn't have got it, I still haven't seen it again. Anyone I know who has seen it has either said it was bad or meh. Nah. Um, it's fine enough, yeah. And like, you know, Brokeback Mountain's great, it's a great moment for you know for queer representation but the film itself is a little clunky i think i don't know it doesn't quite move from a to b really well so you know capote is uh it's another one of those weird historical bio dramas where like yeah. is that when stone you, who,
0: or, did, who did who directed capote i don't think it was, was it? Ol- oliver stone he was doing like the K- kennedy i don't know no, why Bennett Miller. Sure. Oh, well, I don't know. Anyway. No, Bennett I Miller, seen any who of also movies. did Moneyball and Foxcatcher. Well, okay, then that's so... probably the one that should have won because Moneyball is <laughs> incredible.
1: And then uh, Good Night and Good Luck, which on the one hand was you know great and tackles a seminal moment in American history, but on the other hand is like such a predictable, oh, it's about american history prosecuted against nixon and not nixon against um i'm mixing it up with ross nixon but like it's about this cool american history thing with white people where we feel good it's like yeah really i'm just gonna hand it to that i don't know and then munich which despite being a steven spielberg film about a major historical event uh who remembers that any of you see it i didn't see it yeah I don't know, right? So it's this is a weird year. I was talking to Joel about this once. About when you look back at um, best picture winners and at nominees,
0: you're like, what an interesting snapshot of what was was supposed to have been impressive or important. And it's all over the place
1: because sometimes the nominees feel like they're just based on what was good to watch. And then sometimes they feel like they're based on importance in the making of the film. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they feel like it's, it's a mixed bag and they award one over the other. And it's, it's really weird, you know, mm-hmm. what they do and don't award each year. Right.
2: Well, I, and I was curious about the 1990 ones. And so driving Miss Daisy won okay. over uh, dead poet society mm-hmm. born on the 4th of July Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. What the f***? So, There's feel, a lot you know, there. Yeah. But I feel like you gotta... I mean, I feel like so I, would, yeah, yeah, right I would... So where's... Yeah, where's... Yeah, I would take Do the Right Thing over... I would, I would slide, and, you know, I don't know. It's part right part of the system now there's 10 best picture nominees versus this when there were five if there were 10 you have to put that do the right thing in there i think with five though i think you still should have had to have put do the right thing in. i would put i love field of dreams i love baseball i would say that do the right thing is more important than field of dreams Mm -hmm. so i would revise this and i would take field of dreams out i'm gonna
0: plead the fifth on that
2: one (laughs)
0: No, you're I mean, absolutely dead, correct. Yeah. Poet
2: <laughs> Society is great. Driving this Daisy. You know, I haven't seen Born on the Fourth of July. Um I don't know. You gotta find room for do the right thing in here though. And I think there was a lot of backlash in, you know, in the immediate sense, and then to this day, that it didn't get nominated. And I think that's, you know, worth highlighting and worth talking about because that being said though, like it has withstood the test of time and it's still an important movie today and sometimes you know cast the awards uh nominees and winners aside and you know a movie can still have an impact without an award by its name so
0: that's the thing i mean the impact of this film and its mm-hmm. its legacy it is is i mean it, it 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 is the original spike lee joint this is what defined what that meant right like this and it holds up Without a nomination, like this is this is the yeah. top of everybody's hit list, you know. Like it, it didn't need it, which yeah. like it need it, it it needs the 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 flowers certainly. Like it definitely mm-hmm. needs the notoriety for it, but like it's it's withstood. I mean, it's and it's still it's incredible. Like we haven't talked about t- Turturro in this film. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to watch yeah. Turturro play this oh, angry, wow. mm-hmm. and what an incredible. This is, I mean, this is way different from the Jesus. You know, this is a different, <laughs> oh, yeah. different guy. And it, it just, it's a venom. And he, yeah. he gets in that play. And this is early, too. Like, this is early in his career. And, like, there's Transformers after this. Like, it just the interest, I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> it's like this guy, this guy did some shit. Like, Spike chose this guy. He worked with Spike on this script. He said those words that way under the direction of spike lee and just i i don't know like it was a very interesting nuanced character and and a really incredible performance
2: right and it's heartbreaking when you get to the end and you know Sal's is being burned down and he's still you know busting out racist remarks and you know I think in his mind's eye, he feels justified and he feels like, see, I told you this was going to happen all along. I knew about mm-hmm. this group and I'm right. And, you know, and that's heartbreaking to, to, to see that it almost ends up in his favor um, or in his, in the favor of his belief system in in his, in his view. Yeah. Justifying his fear in quotation marks. Right. Right. And it's even more heartbreaking for Vito because Vito is yeah. close with Mookie and wanting to like, pushed back. And when you see him in that last scene, he's, you know, you feel like he's almost swinging towards Pino's view of thought like, Oh, like maybe he was right. What am I supposed to do in this situation? And it's, yeah, that family of three, even Sal, right. You, he has to be pushed to the brink before, you know, he lets loose. And is that kind of anger revealing his true character or, I don't know, there's just so many dynamics to, to any given character um, or the relationship between one character and another, or one character in his family or whatever you might have. There's just so much to any given little thing.
0: And I mean, yeah. that moment afterwards when he's talking to Mookie and Mookie goes to get his paycheck, like, there's that moment yeah, yeah, where he's yeah. like, well, he what are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with yourself? And it was like, somehow Sal understood what happened and was like, still do you like, am I crazy? Like that, that was the note. It felt like it was like, man, like it didn't need to go that. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That moment is so interesting and it's such a privileged moment, you know, like Sal gets to, gets to think it's going to be okay a little bit. I don't know. It's, There's it... so
1: much in this movie that's aggressive, but not too. It's totally toothless between friends and family members, right? That, like, just that, uh... Well, right, like, when the 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 group of four is like, yeah, you better boycott the barber or cut your hair like that, you mm. know? Like, that's, that's as vicious as anything we've heard, but, like, it's completely toothless, right? right? And you get that within families and within communities, and it's really kind of weird watching... Sal's whole thing when he's throwing the money at him, you know? too mm-hmm. So then he's throwing the money back. And then Sal's like, What are you sick or something? That that sentence is totally familial, right? Like it's completely the Whoa, you came to see your mom, what are you sick or something? You brought me flowers <laughs> like it's there, there's that there's some change between the throwing, which is just plain, you know, plain rude. Right mm-hmm. that turns it from here's your money to you're giving me back my money, I've given you back your money. You <laughs> I don't know. Like there's no there's no difference second to second. But something behind the scenes has shifted.
3: Right? It's something just a, within each of them. What what just occurred to me, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if occurred is the right word, because I don't know if it's true, but the like the, the scene where Mookie decides to throw the trash can through the window, like that scene was, that was kind of very odd to me at first, but now I'm wondering, did he do that to turn, to focus the attention of the mob on the place itself so they wouldn't be going after, like, Sal and, the, and the, the two brothers? Like, like it just seemed weird that, like, he all of a sudden, like, there was this kind of, like, tension where everyone was kind of waiting for something to happen, and then he started it by being like, yeah, I'm going to smash this window, and I thought it, it, it seemed kind of out of place because, yeah, for the rest of the time, he's like, I have to work here. I need this job, you know, this, this and that. And then all of a sudden it was just like, no, f- this window. But it was like, well, did he do that then? Because he was like, oh, you know, Sal and, and Pino and Vino are going to get murdered by this group. But, oh, wait, if, if everyone starts, you know, trashing the store, then maybe they'll leave them alone. Like, could that have been like his motivation for starting? The... It's such
0: a deliberate act, too, right? Like, you see that decision get made. Yeah. He goes really, over like, and he very yeah, he deliberately. Really see he angry. Takes yeah. It. No, it's very matter of fact. He take. it's like this is a natural progression. The next thing he takes the bag out. Yeah. Like he was just really interested. He didn't want sh- sh- leaking <laughs> on his hand when he threw it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it was just very deliberate, very measured almost. It was all, it was passionless. Yeah. You know. He, it just wasn't like I and I I think I read that as numb, like just interpreted it as numb. But I mean, I because Mookie is kind of seeing the the way the defense moves a lot of the time, maybe maybe it was like this is the way Sal it's Sal gets punished, but he can get whole with his insurance money and get out if he wants to, you know, or he kind of frees him from it a bit. That's really interesting.
3: Because that was another thing I noticed with with the whole like the beginning of that incident right is that it starts with um you know it starts with the music sort of just the 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 noise which in and of itself is not um I mean you know I mean the the, the song itself is kind of energetic I won't even say aggressive because it's like yes fight the power but it's like you know this this uh, more like a liberation song but it starts with like the music which which style wants turned in. And then it's it, then it go turns to shouting, then it turns to okay, the n-word gets thrown in there. Then it with the when it escalates from there, it's it's violence against an inanimate object, which then turns to violence against a human. And then that's sort of when things really hit that sort of like oh shit, like when when radio's like choking him out. Like I, you know, it's like so. I thought it was really interesting that that it really you really see every kind of level along the way it wasn't sort of like you know hey turn your music down and then he hits radio in the head with the baseball bat right it was kind of like there was there was a step by step escalation um and then like it goes from being in the store to out of the store and then that's what it involves the entire neighborhood right or like i i'm sorry before that you know, at first the four people at the booth they weren't involved in it until he says the n word, and that's what pulls them into it, and then they're part of the fight too.
0: Well, no, they were on his <laughs> side; they were on Sal's side until that point, right? Like they yeah. were backing him up until he said it, yeah. and then it's like, oh, we're th-, and then it's shipped. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like Sal was closed and opened up for this. Shit. Mm-hmm. Like right. if he had just said like the 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 other, th- I don't know. Like it's it's so I don't know. The inanimate object, I don't know. This just makes me think it's like. In this, there is an, an importance to the material because when you scuff somebody's Jordans, that's a fucking violation, you know. And the idea of the boombox and that boombox as a status symbol and as an investment of time and money, as like just like it, it's 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 not it's Sal is doing to radio what they end up doing to Sal,
3: taking right, away. Yes, yeah, so that's the comparison I was making. Is yeah, like. Yeah it could be either violence against an inanimate object the store or it could be violence right.
1: against a person yes. where yes, you yes, know they're yes. going to
3: kick the shit out of the, you know these three guys or right. they could kick the shit out of the store and like that that sort of tipping that scale and and being being more of a um you know what the police did to radio aside more of an even sort of reciprocity like oh you fucked up his radio we fuck up your store you know and it's like okay that end of it you know whereas you know like the again like the like like elevating to that level of of physical violence kind of brought it to a um a different level but um yeah and and so anyway so like you know that yeah i'm, I'm just kind of thinking through those 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 aspects of it and yeah if that if that was his motivation to be like well wait this this went beyond sort of a sort of a territorial you know this is my store this is my radio it became it, it turned into people against people and then you know okay how do we pull it back from that like okay let's bring it back to more about the store because this is what you were angry at at first and um yeah and i forget what, who, who said it earlier but yeah the idea of like when the n-word comes out it's like is this the way he's felt all along or is he kind of more driven to that point and it's like you know yeah like you wonder like when you know when you 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 live that many years in this environment are you do you feel accustomed to it or are you still secretly angry about it and resentful that like when when he's talking he's saying like oh I can't Open up a pizza place, you know. Oh, you know where where Italians live. because There are already too many pizza places. This is why I had to open up one here. You know, is he still resentful about that? You know does does he see himself as part of the community or seeing who someone who you know unfortunately has to like live and survive within that community that he's not really a part of? And, um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I was I was glad you were talking about that, Scott, because it definitely I remember I forgot that I had thought that that was weird that he was the one who kind of started that, but thinking of it that way, maybe that makes more sense of it that, yeah, it was his way of like diverting their attention and being like,
2: let's, let's focus on destroying property instead. You know, I have heard spike respond to that exact question. I don't know if you want the spike response spoiler or if you want it. He basically said that wasn't his intent. Um, Okay. He he didn't write it. You know, he was kind of just thinking that Mookie was um, kind of, you know, the murder happened and, you know, that up with the murder of someone in the community and basically started a riot, but he did say he has heard a lot of people interpret it as Mookie doing that to look out for Sal, and he said that's kind of the beauty of it is that it is a little open. So, yeah. yeah, that was actually
3: another point too. Is I I I feel like at at some point in the fight after uh, Radio dies, like they start blaming Sal for the police killing him. I think if someone yells, "Sal wasn't the one who called the police." Like, you know, because I think they were blaming him, like, oh, you brought the police into this, you know what the police do to us, and they were, like, directing all that at Sal, when, you know, he wasn't the one who killed radio, he didn't call the police, and it was, you know, and I think I remember, I remember that, like, someone shouting that at one point, and being like, okay, so again, this is another layer to the whole chaos of the situation of, like, okay, we've got to direct this anger, and then, yeah, you're right, like, radio shouldn't have been murdered, but, like, You know that wasn't sal's fault you know so like don't just take it out on sal and like you know and i think by that point too the police had left so it was like oh they even if they wanted to take it out on the police they couldn't you know and it was just like becoming this big like you know, this, this cauldron. And, and so it was kind of interesting that like, you know, you know, again, like the whole idea of Spike kind of throwing in all perspectives, you know, it's like someone in there was thinking and saying like, yeah, don't, don't murder Cell because the police murdered radio, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of like throwing that in there. But by that point, like nobody was listening to anything and it was like, yeah, it was just the chaos was building, but.
1: um, So I also uh, of note, sorry, just like to pivot back to the Oscars here, glory same year mm-hmm. speaking of yeah
2: so and didn't wait yeah didn't denzel beat danny aiello for best actor
1: in that uh daniel day lewis best actor Day Lewis, okay
2: and then morgan freeman driving
1: misdaisy nope no no glory nomination for best actor oh uh it Supporting actor, he won though. Yes, Denzel Washington. Denzel won. Won. Oh, Okay. Actor. Okay. Sorry. And then scrolling, Danny Aiello was up.
2: Here. Yeah, Danny That's Aiello was right. supporting as well, right? For nominations. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I know. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. So. That's there you go. I think that brings us on to Joel's favorite segment. And we'll put it right here.
0: It is. It is time for <laughs> another <laughs> situational movie recommendations. recommendations. So. Um, to to keep the the mood a little lighter than the end of this film, because, (laughs) um, this, this focuses on a pizza place. I thought it would be fun to talk about movie or TV show pizza places that we would like to try in reality.
2: I want it. Can I just slam in immediately? Yep. Go for it. Goofy movie. Goofy movie. That is the cheesiest pizza I have ever seen in my life. When P when PJ picks it up. And the, the slice when they're in the hotel room yep. with the waterbeds and he picks up the slice. Yep. Yeah. Goofy movie pizza.
0: Absolutely. Easy. Hands
2: down. I'm done. Good night.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's a leaning tower of cheese. Uh, yes. Ab- absolutely. I have
1: absolutely no frame of reference for this answer. <laughs> I have no
2: no idea. No where to start. Pizza Planet, also in Toy Story, <laughs> number two. Do we see the pizza at any point, or is it just? It doesn't matter. <laughs> see it? It's a pizza. Pl- it's a fictional pizza place. <laughs> Would you like to
0: try it, Scott? <laughs> I don't yeah. have to see the pizza to know there's pizza there. It's called Pizza Planet.
2: I've got number three as well. I just am well versed in pizza in movies. <laughs> yeah. Number three is in Back to the Future Two when they cook the dehydrated pizza. <laughs> yes, and that yeah, is okay. also I pizza that I'd like to cook. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got my three, and I'm just going to Pizza Hut. S- <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, like it's not. You know it's easy. not, right? <laughs> it's
0: the future, Scott. I have to believe it. It's better.
2: <laughs> cool. I'm going to kick back and stop naming pizzas now.
0: I want to uh, – oh, sh- <laughs> There's the pizza place where uh, – TV show, obviously. where Look, we're going to bridge these gaps. Scott's going Scott's gonna to ask for a definition later. Does Calzone's count or whatever? No, I'm saying Calzone's count. The, now. the Calzone the- shop that George Costanza takes – His boss calzones from i want to try pizza from that place (laughs) i know there's pizza there too scott i
1: mean you're right and that makes calzones look good you gotta gotta be honest
0: you need hey hey do you not like calzones are we gonna have a ben wyatt discussion right now? no they're good but a lot of
1: places they're an afterthought they don't do them well that is fair
0: that okay yes i i love you again scott No, there's like, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, it's of the killer tomatoes. There is a, a pizza joint where, um, a very young, uh, uh, um, Oh, what's his name? He played Batman and uh, Danny ocean. Why can't I remember his name? George Clooney. Clooney. Thank you. It's a very young Clooney who's in his pizza shop. Uh, I would like to try things from there, even though that movie is bonkers. I love that movie. Um, in the Arthur TV show, there was a uh, theme park called Pizza Land that Buster Ooh, Baxter won, he won a an uh, admission to because he showed up and he folded the pizza in <laughs> thrice and ate it in one big bite. It's the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never wanted to be somebody more. I've always endeavored to do so. I've never quite done it, but I've gotten real close. <laughs> that pizza he had and also Pizza World Pizza. Cause it was like paved, like the road was paved with pizza.
1: I mean, yep. maybe, uh, the home alone pizza is always really yes! satisfying. Ooh, right? yeah, Not okay. even the pizza, mm-hmm. so much as just getting to have your yeah. own pizza finally. Yeah, right? Absolutely. You get, to call, you get to get it, you get to have it, you get to eat it in peace. It's just yeah. like, it's the cathartic pizza eating experience.
2: It's good pizza. I found an image of your goofy movie pizza here. Yeah. <laughs> just it's for cheesy. So like, good for reference. Yeah. Yeah you're in a mermaid themed waterbed hotel and you need a pizza <laughs> sounds amazing yeah oh.
3: <laughs> i think for me and, and this is good this is gonna seem weird but like it's the uh teenage mutant ninja turtle movie yeah, the yeah. One. i was thinking about which, that which like it's domino's pizza right but it doesn't <laughs> look anything the way domino's pizza actually looks so it's like i want to live in the world where domino's pizza looks like that that's the, that's the pizza especially like as a kid because like Pizza was my favorite food. I love the Ninja Turtles. I actually started like putting weird <laughs> shit on all my pizzas at that age because I was like, I want to be a ninja turtle. So I like I think I did like a um peanut butter and jelly pizza at one point. I did like a um uh 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 I want to say I put like mashed potato, like I try to do a Thanksgiving, Ooh. you know, like you can get the sandwich, like turkey, mashed potatoes, and cranberry sauce on a pizza, you know, that type of Sign thing. Sign me up. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> i mean that's the thing is like i mean like the the, i feel like the bread sauce and cheese don't tend to have like really strong flavors so you can get away with putting weird stuff on it as long as the weird stuff you're putting on it kind of matches you know um but like yeah so like like watching them eat that pizza and just like you know like as an impressionable impressionable young child like you know if i had i not learned what domino's pizza actually looks like and i mean i'll still eat domino's it's not my favorite but it's It's like it's gotten better pizza (laughs) yeah but like the the way it looked there just like that's that's i think yeah the the image in my mind when i think pizza like yeah the ninja turtles eating domino's pizza and the i also love the whole trick about how they can never find where they are because the address is made up because they're in the sewer and it's always late (laughs) so they get money off because the guy delivered the pizza late (laughs) Although it was a little unrealistic, I think they would get one pizza like for the four of them, and it's like, no way. No, they <laughs> need look, tiny turtle
0: that. stomachs. The, t- the stomachs did not grow. Everything else meets There There's a show called The Weekenders on Toon Disney that I love that nobody watched really, but some people watched. But every week, the pizza parlor changed its theme. Yeah. So it was Franken Pizza, Pizzas of Eight, Paris Pizza, Pizza not, Warren Pizza, Pizza Pilot, Platypus Pizza, Pizza <laughs> Emergency, Hula Pe- Great Wall of Pizza. <laughs> like, I wanted to try every iteration of this failing business. <laughs> I
1: know. To to do the thing I do where I step out of the frame of the question slightly. (laughs) My favorite pizza related media memory comes from the PlayStation demo discs that Pizza Hut was giving out. (laughs) Because every time you put the disc in, before you could get to the demos, they had to do that Pizza Hut commercial for that whatever New York style thing they were doing with Mm -hmm. the kid talking about this pizza's taking me back to my days (laughs) in New York.
2: (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit, that just unlocked a piece of my brain that's been locked away. Steve,
1: Steve. You're only 16. you never left Wisconsin. It's just like three kids on a pickup truck tailgate. But then the jeans and the sauce and the thing. No. It's like this poor guy. He's got mental issues. I don't know. God. You had to watch it because Pizza Hut sponsored the demo discs, right? So it was unskippable
0: every time you put them in. Pizza Hut did, too. Like, they had, like, the first DVDs. Like, my first DVD of Mr. Mom came from Pizza Hut. (laughs) (laughs) It was in a yellow fucking paper disc. I don't know if it had an ad before but it, but it's like they were trying to get you to buy everything through Pizza Hut. <laughs> they were trying to have a Camel or a Cash situation. Zeke, Hut <laughs> was
1: trying to be Amazon. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll let's,
2: let's use Sal's Pizza shirt. That was a solid shirt. That's that a was solid shirt. Yeah. uniform. As far as I don't you, know that, that I would eat style. this
0: pizza. By the way, I didn't. It didn't yeah, look all that yeah. great. Yeah, it looked kind of little slices. Said. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Like questionable yeah. prices for extra cheese come
0: on yeah i don't know <laughs> two extra dollars that's that's incorrect if I you're mean, putting I'm the sure parmesan
2: on it's two instead of 150 but <laughs> yeah but <it's> definitely... <laughs> i like to think that it's uh-huh. 350 <laughs> it <Instead laughs> sounds slice. like sal. Yeah. yeah sal is gonna run up if you're putting the parmesan on if you're putting too much he snatches it out if you're bugging out like mm-hmm. unfair that's the yeah. reason why Bugging Out should have protested. Yeah,
0: yeah. The lack of. Also, why is the parmesan not on the table, Sal? Yeah. Why are you holding out on this parmesan? Exactly. What self like it Italian is just the craft
1: bullshit? Oh my God! That that
0: that was green crazy. in the green. The green. Ooh. <laughs> it tastes like cardboard. Comes the old cardboard, green. The old like green too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was back when McDonald's had styrofoam, you know. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for that question. That was great, actually. <laughs>
1: Although it did make me hungry for pizza.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, Zeke, Zeke had the I had I had forgotten that pizza, but the second you said it, it was like, no, that's the that that answer. I have it. That, yeah,
1: it that the there it is the <laughs> one. Well, that wraps up our do the right thing Zeke pick and moves us on to next month where Joel. Will be our film selector,
0: Joel. What will you be bringing us? I'm just picking a thing. I don't There's a million things I want to watch. Uh, what? Le, 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 uh, Legend of the Drunken Master. We're gonna do. This is my second Jackie Chan. Yes. Oh, this okay.
1: is.
0: So it's Drunken Master two, on on some things, but it's Legend of the Drunken. It's the one from the eighties. Um. Yeah, I don't know where it's streaming. It look. This is this is the coolest. Jackie Chan, look, look, there's a million Jackie Chan films I want to watch with y'all. This one I haven't watched in a minute. It's a- Tim and I were talking about it the other day and I was like, I need to see this again. It's the idea of drunken boxing in this very unique way that Jackie, like, this will be the first time we talked to Zeke, all four of us, about a Jackie Chan film. Hmm. I'm very excited about it. Um, I haven't seen it in a minute. It's really innovative. It really shows the the comedic chops and the acting chops of jackie chan and he's he directed it he wrote it then this was the crossover hit like there's rumble in the bronx and then legend of the drunken master these were the ones that came over big and and started the box top this phenomenon of his crossover potential and drunken master is just it's it's so it's so perfectly jackie chan it's very funny it's situational He's acting and playing different levels of drunk and it, it, and kicking the shit out of guys. It's so good. I'm so excited to watch it with you guys. I'm
3: excited. I can't remember. If this is the one I've seen. One of his drunken masters. I think it might be this one because I think it's the one where he was older. Yeah, it's an
0: older one. But he no, is yeah. older in it.
3: Yeah, because yeah, because the, yeah, the original he's like it's like young Jackie Chan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm trying to remember which that one, one. is
0: also good. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I like how you. I feel like don't we also get moments of the whole like hiccuping, like you know the essential like <laughs> TV drunk, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. you know, like it's so good,
0: and it's so it's it's so separate from any kind of like drunken stereotype portrayal. What he's doing with it and the way he's approaching it, it's not. It's new. It's completely new, and that that I was just realizing that. Like it, it's not. A stereotype, and it's not like a, a, a drunk character, like like facsimile. It's a really interesting dynamic to, uh, yeah, more reasons to watch Kung Fu.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sounds great. Oh, that's gonna be a lot of fun. That's gonna be a big a big genre too to walk into, which we haven't really touched since dragon lord maybe
0: yeah the very
1: first episode of movie mumble that's gonna be great yeah revisit that thank you joel it'll be very exciting and thank you zeke for bringing us do the right thing thank you joel and tim for joining me as always and listeners of course thank you for listening until then always do the right thing
2: and have a good night bye bye and that's the double truth Ruth.
0: Movie Mumble comes to you from NerdsThatGeek.com. Visit NerdsThatGeek.com for all things Movie Mumble. Movie Mumble is hosted by Scott Murray, Joel Lewis, Tim Gerard, and Zeke Perez. The Movie Mumble theme song and all its variations were composed by Tim Gerard. The situational recommendation theme was composed by Joel Lewis, Scott Murray, and Tim Gerard, reluctantly. This episode of the Movie Mumble podcast was edited by Joel Lewis.